1: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, player.fm, soundcloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can help the show financially by going to the blackandgoldhockeyblog.com website and clicking on either the amazon.com or fanatics.com banners to the right before shopping online. Now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show!
2: Boar fights to keep it
3: in, does, has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back in front door, shot scores! Bobby Owl! Great work.
1: Face-off
2: circle to the right of Reggie Lindland, fired it down, and Whitmore blew it. Bounces down to Bergeron,
4: he takes the space, pulling it wide to the right of Tatar, the snapshot, over to Rossi, loose, and Bergeron scores!
2: Uh, this is the uh, Bruins Cowboy Boston Strong 617, uh, hitting up the super fan fan base of our uh, black and gold hockey. Talk about the game tonight, Bruins Canadians original six rivalry. You got uh, the best of the best here tonight. Um, Bruins looking great. Habs haven't looked so great this year. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Bruins took the 4-3 shootout win back Saturday night. Uh, Marshawn with the overtime winner. We got uh, plenty of Habs fans in the building tonight, but plenty of black and gold to rock the building. We we'll think uh, we think we're gonna get it tonight. We'll see. It's gonna be a great game, and uh, we wish the best of luck to the Bruins. Hey, Bruins fans! It's uh, it's Mark, and uh, we we are back to, uh, together after our little hiatus. Um, and uh, uh, Court is with us as as always, and and we're we're happy to have our third partner in crime back from his world tour um of um uh polish vodka and and bagels um rob tomlin welcome back my friend
3: oh my god it's been what a month i think yeah it's been a crazy time i'm glad to be back though you're like a freaking celebrity now yeah, I've been storing up like all the Bruins things over holiday, trying to remember everything, <laughs> but when I get back, it's been a long time, but that's, that's it's awesome. really good to be back.
2: I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you back, and, and I'm also happy that the, the Black and Gold podcast funds have been drained because of your world tour, so thank you for that. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. Worry. I'm just kidding. There was kidding. funds? <laughs>
0: there was funds? What are these magic funds?
2: Oh, um, <laughs> no, but, um, we, we did take a, a week off, uh, due to the, um, the, uh, uh, bye week. Uh, so we, we, we also made some really big changes that I wanted to mention. Um, uh, the black and gold hockey blog.com website has, uh, has been revamped. We have a new logo. We have a new setup. Uh, we have a bunch of new writers, which I'm really excited about, um, and we have merchandise. We're selling T-shirts now, so if you if you want to represent what we do and and, and look damn good at it, uh, please go to blackandgoldhockeyblog.com and just click on the merchandise uh, banner. And uh, it, they're they're great shirts. They're only eighteen dollars twenty two for uh, a two a two XL. And we got stickers, and we're probably gonna do more stuff um, and get more involved in that. So um, I also wanted to. Uh, mentioned my wife's birthday today, Courtney, uh, happy birthday. I love you very much. And I uh, can't wait to do dinner and drinks later on. And, uh, also, um,
0: and hence the reason we're doing this on a Saturday and not a Sunday.
2: Yes. Cause I, I am going to go out and probably not get totally crazy, but in case I do, I want to be able to rest on Sunday and not be my grumpy old self when I've been drinking. So, um, but I really want to touch on this because this is a very important subject for me. Um, my, dear, my dear friend, Alan Sullivan, um, he's a photographer for the Boston Bruins and the Providence Bruins. And he does other sporting events, too. He's, he's a class act guy, and he really needs some help. Um, he's got really bad diabetes, and he's lost all his toes on his foot. And he could possibly lose his foot and up to his knee. So I'm really pulling for the guy. And uh, I really want to just mention that uh, he set up a GoFundMe because he's coming on some hard times. And um, please just go to GoFundMe.com and just search um, Alan Sullivan, save a foot, and you'll see him. um, You'll see the account right there. And if you can, anything helps. Uh, He's a great guy. He does a great service. Uh, he, He gives us permission to use his photos in our articles. So, and I, I constantly see him around Bruins events, so um, whatever you can do would be great. I know he'd definitely appreciate it, so. Um, yeah, so. Uh, and, and the up, upgraded uh, website, I want to give credit to um, Thomas Nystrom. He's a new addition on to, the, uh, to this uh, website and the team. He's done a fantastic job. Um, so, kudos to him and welcome aboard, my friend. Um, Let's just get let's start some uh, some everyone hockey talk. It's been a while so let's go back to the Pittsburgh game on January 7th that was a 6 to 5 overtime loss. And then 5 days off, but the more important game was the first game in Montreal. Um, I, fantastic. I I I love these matchups and I'm I'm really not thrilled about playing this team uh 3 times in 8 days, but scheduling it is what it is hopefully that gets uh uh upgraded next season but um the dallas do you not game, think?
3: do you up? not think it ruins the uh the whole rivalry thing a bit with so many games against the hubs in so little time i i don't i don't think so but
2: i don't like to have division games like that so bunched up um they, they could have done a better job on that in my opinion yeah, um, I think just, it had a
0: lot to do, like today is um, if you remember last year we all complained about the schedule so there was no, uh, no end and no one could hear us anymore um, the Bruins did get a favorable schedule this year it actually ended up working out in our favor that we didn't have what we had going on it has to do a lot with travel and arena avail- availabilities, unfortunately this can happen, um, they also probably wanted today's hockey day in Canada um, they wanted Um, Montreal to play a bitter rival like the Boston Bruins. So I guess with scheduling and all that, when they they pick certain dates that they want teams to play each other, like conveniently, Connor McDavid was in Vegas on his birthday. The Leafs were conveniently, I'm air quoting right now, um, in Vegas on New Year's Eve because, you know, that that was pure accidental. Um, (laughs) Money-wise, it made sense. You're either going to have the Rangers. Probably the Rangers will be there next year. Um, But – when you look at it, they probably pick key dates, and then when they do the schedule, they'll do the schedule from there. Right. But they want certain teams to play each other. So it's it just probably, my guess, if you look at who they played, they played the Islanders. There wasn't a lot of travel for the Bruins. So even though we have to play the Habs three times,
2: they technically didn't really have to go anywhere. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I totally agree. And It is all about scheduling and how it's worked out. And that's this is all done in June, so... Um the lost in overtime to uh, the Dallas Stars was a troubling one for me, especially at the end. Uh, the, just the players falling all over the place. I mean it happens. And when, the Bruins are not a perfect team, so and and to have the Sagan goal, it was just a killer. I mean, once that happened, and Twitter went absolutely crazy with, why did we get rid of this guy? And it's just a joke. I wish they'd stop, move on. But um... as
0: I as I said, stop treating him like he's your ex girlfriend, and you keep trying to slide into his DMs. <laughs> right. Just let it go. Yeah, let it go, people. Let it go. He's gone. He ain't coming back. You know what? And you know if the rumors are true, thank God he's gone. <laughs> That's yeah. all I gotta say. Yeah, he he wasn't he wouldn't have been welcome in that dressing room. Doesn't matter how good he is with
2: that hockey. And, uh, and Wednesday night was a game that I was privileged to go to. And I really wish that you guys were closer because um, a great person that I've been in touch with, uh, his name's J.C. Guilford, and he um, reached out to me and uh, wanted us to go to this game. Unfortunately, you guys are so far away, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it, but I, 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 I was the benefit of, of going um we had a great time it was a great game but more or less this guy uh listens to our our show religiously he loves it and he reads our website content and he's actually his family owns uh Guilford ice cream which they make the Bruins power play fudge so uh hats off to him thank you very much JC and the Guilford family for that gracious um uh gift I, I really appreciate it and uh and you know, hopefully that we can someday use those tickets for good and get you guys closer to Boston. So well, we, we keep
0: using Rob's uh, all the funds for Rob's vacations, right? So. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh moving on, uh the back to back uh by the Montreal and the next night to uh beat the New York Islanders uh in Brooklyn five to two. Uh what this team on back to backs this season has been very surprising to me. Um, they've done so much better and more prepared for these games. Um, Both goaltenders have been up for it, uh, and and the teams have been, uh, they just don't seem like they're very tired. Um, You might see it a little bit in the first period, but all of a sudden, it's like midway through the first, and and even after the first intermission, this team just seems to be so re-energized. It must be Bruce Cassidy in the locker room giving it to him, but uh, you're seeing the positive results after that. And the best part about it is this: is Bruins team is holding leads, which is absolutely incredible. Um, and to end the end the week um, tonight, they play the Montreal Canadiens again. It, it's just um, another great battle that I can't wait for. Um, so, and that's at seven o'clock at the uh, at the Bell Center. So, that's it for that. Um, any thoughts on uh, any games that you guys saw this week at all, or last week rather?
3: Well. The New York Islanders, weren't they first in goals four? Yes, um, yeah. In the league. And we was that they scored one? Two. Early on. As, uh, well, yeah, the, the yeah, Matt Barzell sure. got the assist on that first goal, didn't they? Well, like, really early
0: on. We don't say that name.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, but the, the whole thing was in that game, all you heard about was, oh, Matt Barzell assists like, early on and blah, blah, blah. We could have had Matt Barzell. Yeah. But then Oh no, there was only
0: one person saying that
3: over and over and over and over again. (laughs) I heard heard a few people, well, I saw a few people on Twitter talking about it, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like, I I get it, I I get, like, there's passionate fans for the whole, like, oh, we should have had this guy, we should have had that guy, but every team has bad picks. Every team. And we don't even know if that's a bad pick yet, because there's two guys that haven't even played in the NHL. Right. So
2: two of the three and, in the first round, so
3: Yeah. And the guy who has played in the NHL has been very good. So, yeah. Very solid two way hockey player. And he yeah. can score.
0: Yeah. And played great against the Islanders. Yeah.
2: Uh speaking of Matt Barzel, I, I totally forgot to mention this, but um uh stay tuned later on for my interview with uh the draft analyst, uh Steve Cornianos. Um we talked about the uh, wrap-up of the uh, World Juniors 2018 in Buffalo and all the Bruins prospects that were involved. Uh, and we even touched on, because per his request, was the, the ridiculousness of people saying the whole Matt Barzell should have been picked by the Bruins, and, and he kind of broke it down in, in his own version. So stay tuned for that later on. But um, Yeah, he's, he's a great, great guest, and, and we talked for a, a good hour. It was just crazy how fast these conversations go. Um, but uh, the upcoming week we got um New Jersey and on Tuesday night at home and um on the road on Thursday against Ottawa and to wrap up the month of January uh the Anaheim Mighty Ducks uh come to the TD Garden on the thirtieth so um uh, kind of a light schedule uh, even after the bye week I I think this is a good time to to have this because. If I'm not mistaken, March is going to be absolutely crazy. Um, and I can actually look it up now. February is going to be crazy with a lot of back-to-backs. And uh, definitely March. Uh,
0: we have two back-to-backs in a row.
2: Yeah. And then if you click over to, to the March uh, uh, schedule, look at all those games. I mean, it's pretty much a, uh, every other day has a game. It, that's crazy. Um, um, so
0: that's, that's good. Hey, if they keep winning like they are right now, then we'll be fine. Which,
2: um, which I think is, we have a
0: oh. 99.9% chance of making the playoffs now. So uh, I
2: like that. I like those numbers. Um, and and to, uh, after 44 games, the Bruins are 26-10-8 with 60 points. And how crazy is it that they're only five points away <clears throat> from the Tampa Bay Lightning that are leading? I, yeah.
0: Also, can we mention they're sixth in the NHL in goals per game, second in the NHL in goals against. That means our goaltending is better. You know that like goaltending everybody thought was terrible.
3: Oh yeah. And uh, then
0: sixth in power play and sixth in penalty kill.
3: I think they moved into first in goals against last night because um, LA let in two and didn't someone score. Someone posted
0: that. I, I I know what you saw, but they're still in second because Tampa's ah, in first. Okay. Tampa's in first.
2: So. Ah. That, that, I mean, the goals against is a, a definitely a team thing, so your defense is definitely playing better, regardless of your uh, your stupid hate for certain players. Um, but goal differentials up getting up there, which is exciting. Uh, at the beginning of the season, they were uh, in the red really bad, but it's good to see them putting the puck in the net. And also what's very surprising to me is the home record of 15-5-4, and the away record of eleven five and four. So, this team is just surprising me every game. And and I I have I have my my crow uh, uh, that's uh, thawing out in the freezer. Well, not thawing in the freezer, but I I just didn't see this team this good. And um, I'm regretting saying that. You know what I mean? So I
3: think, I think Rob not, and I not said, many said they were gonna did. make it. Well, I well, no, said Rob, I said they'd be said a fringe. I thought they were going to be a fringe playoff team, first or second round exit, and I've been, I haven't been proved wrong yet, because right. we don't know. Right. But um, the good thing is, with Adam McQuaid being a, being the seventh defenseman, that shows some good signs for the playoffs. To be honest, um, if you've got a regular NHL defenseman for the past what eight years, as your seventh defenseman. That's pretty good depth for the playoffs.
0: And and for the people who are listening, Kevin Miller did skate with the Bruins, but he isn't skating in the line rushes. So the odds of him playing tonight against the Habs are pretty slim.
2: Yeah, he's still still sick. I I believe it's the flu, if I'm not mistaken. So um, we'll see what happens there. I, yeah, regardless, I'm just I'm just so excited for this matchup tonight because we just seem to, with Montreal not playing very well, which is a good thing, and, and this team playing so good, uh, it's just nice to see the swap. Montreal is not overpowering us anymore because uh, they just don't have that center depth down the middle like, like the Bruins do right now, and they've just been really suffering from it, from uh, making stupid deals, you know. I, I just don't understand how... The, how um, a team like that and Mike Bergerman can operate, but anyway, it's the Montreal Bruins hate and and the rivalry just gets bigger and bigger. So, um, mind
3: you, they did take us to a shootout in the first game of the season.
2: Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so,
0: and also we... that they outskated us. They it, yeah. that's how they used to beat us, and now the Boston Bruins are fast and young. We're just we're keeping up with them. Like I think someone tweeted uh, tweeted the other day. What was it? Uh, Boston Bruins, have we have five. We're fifth in the league for uh, for youth on the team. We have, what is it? Uh, sorry. Where Bruins are third in the NHL with five players who are under the age of 23 in the lineup. McAvoy, Carlo, Heinen, and, and Pasternak. That's and crazy. when you think about it, they still have York, Solaric, JFK, Senishin, Fitzgerald, Zabro, uh, Lozon, and more already in Providence. Yeah. They could technically probably play on an NHL roster for some teams.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I just want to start everything off with the, the recent news by just the play of Patrice Bergeron. This this guy has just been an animal the last 11 games and, and, and pretty much the whole season. Um, He's got 11 goals, 5 assists, and 16 points in 11 games. And he's got 2 hat tricks. And 2 hat tricks in the season for the Boston Bruins hasn't been done since the 2001-2 season when Bill Guerin did it.
0: Um it like sounds stealing on my stats
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry brother I, I we just i mean you posted them, yeah. so I started taking a little bit of notes but um yeah. it's okay I'm joking I know you are <laughs> uh just his play and his uh, inspiration with this this younger core uh and and the way he's te- you know just being a leader out there is just so impressive and i mean it's not a shock but um, he's just playing like he really, really wants th- t- something to happen this season. He's been in the right places at the right time, most of his career, you could say that, but uh, especially, I'm just noticing that this year, and and I don't quote me, but I mean, it, it wouldn't shock me if he walks away with another Selkie this season just by the way he's playing.
3: Yeah, it's between oh, no. him and Kateri. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like the line of... Him, Marsh, and Pasternak seem to be the one of the best offensive lines in the NHL. Uh, yep. I think the only one that's produced more points has been Stamkos and Kachurov. Yes. Yeah, so um, to put up that many points and be as good defensively as they have been, only allowing, I think it's three goals against all season. Yeah. Um, then <laughs> I think that guy deserves the Selkie, to be honest. Hey, well, it's-,
0: it, it, it's it's funny you say that, Rob, because the guys on Sportsnet um, who, you know, majority of the time they have to uh, pander to their, their crowd that's watching. They talk leaf, leaf, leafs. And uh, the Bruins have been, um, luckily enough for me, on Sportsnet and CBC in here in Canada on pretty much every night, every game. And they've been talking up the Bruins. They, uh, all, most of the analysts, Friedman, um, Doug McLean, they're all saying um, – McAvoy should be seriously considered for the Calder. Uh, Doug McLean pretty much called him for the Calder. And they have all agreed on the fact that the Bergeron-Marshawn-Pasternak line is the best line in the NHL, not just because they're scoring, because they do everything else, to your point. The kucherov Stamkos line scores, but the Bergeron-Pasternak line does everything. They absolutely destroy teams. you got Marshawn with 20 goals, Bergeron with 19, Pasternak with 18. You could have three players on that line with 30 goals and have a plus minus. And the fact that they've only had three even strength goals scored against them since they've been aligned is absolutely crazy.
2: Yeah, definitely. And uh, just to add on to your – the, I was just looking down the, the list of the standings. And the Bruins have a goal differential of a plus 35. And that's second in the league. Um, and obviously leading is uh, Tampa Bay with a plus 46. So –
0: and, and who would have thought Pasta would be the guy with the least amount of goals on his line?
2: I know, right? But um, <laughs> uh... And Marshawn's
0: on pace for over 90 points, and he's missed games.
2: Exactly. And then you I have,
0: I... you, you have Pasta who has 163 points, and he's under the age of 22. The only people ahead of him in the history of the Boston Bruins are Bobby Orr, Ray Bork, Barry Peterson, Patrice Bergeron,
3: and Joe Thornton. Yep. Yeah. That is unreal.
2: This is crazy.
3: Um, and a lot of us were calling Pasternak out for his turnovers, that kind of thing, beginning of the season and last season. Uh, especially that that thing that he used to do where he'd, he'd skate down the wing, just throw the puck into the middle of the ice and lose it. You never see that from him anymore. Right. No,
0: he's got, uh, if you notice most of the time, um, and watching for tonight, nine times out of ten, the person carrying the puck in for that line is, is Martian
3: yeah and then but he usually passes it to bergeron center ice yeah and they try and and pass the back yeah he goes back door on his off wing and i think it was you that said this court He's definitely becoming an ov style shooter from that left circle
0: yeah he it seems that they they do like a setup play it depends on who carries the puck in like uh like I, I joked around, and, and now everybody's going to watch for it, but every time you see Marchand go in, he does the exact same thing. He did, and I don't know how people are not stopping him yet, but he does this spinorama thing that he does. He does the spin every single time. He brings the puck in, does the spin, and tries to hit the outlet um, either to the defense or Bergeron, and they try and bring the puck around, and that's when you start seeing um, it's like a shark in the water. You just see Pasternak just, just circling and circling and looking for a spot and then breaking in to try and get a shot on that. They, it seems to be a set play where they're trying either to get a puck to the net um, on a deflection or uh, get the rebound, and Marshawn is phenomenal with his rebounds out in front of the net this year, or, like as Rob was saying, try and get Pasta on that, that open side.
2: Yeah, and, and, and Pasta's been really working hard uh, with the coaching staff, especially, I believe, Kevin Dean uh, before practices and, and after practice with a with bucket of pucks and just sitting in that uh, that left circle. Um, and just feeding passes for that one-timer which is it, it's absolutely lethal but you know you know I, we've all noticed that he, um he when he gets that one time a pass sometimes he muffs it but yeah and but that's why he's constantly working with the uh the uh the coaching staff to get it to get that timing down right um he's he could be so lethal and what a great comparison uh, on the Ovechkin because that's basically where his office is too. When he comes in, especially on the power play, he's a floater, comes back and forth, but uh, always ready for that just one boom shot. So um,
3: the only difference I would say between the two is that Pasternak will battle for pucks. Like he'll go to the net. Yeah. If the one timer option isn't there, where Ovechkin is more of a he's the pure shooter. He'll stay out. He won't really battle in front. right um but like I said it's it's a change of game totally for Pasternak and I don't think enough people are talking about it the way that he has changed his style of play
0: it's a two-way uh, game and he looks for a pass yeah he looks to and pass the puck
3: since taking the tape off his stick uh yes. the since taking the candy cane stripe off his stick um his goal scoring's gone up a lot yep so yep. maybe someone like Patrick Kane should start thinking about that <laughs> for my fantasy team. Right. Um, yeah, <laughs> but it, it's weird how like a little change like that has done so much for him. Absolutely. And I don't know whether that's just chance or whether it is actually something that he's worked on and gone, oh yeah, it feels better like that. So,
0: But I also think this line is performing the way they are because in the past, they've had to be checked upon, checked upon, checked upon. But because the Bruins are able to throw, throw out four effective lines, not just one, two, or three, four effective lines like that, our fourth line gets chances. Achari, geez, all the guy does is hit posts. I feel so bad for him. But yeah. they're so effective at keeping the puck in the zone. And if you, if you notice, when, we, when the Bruins are having trouble um, controlling plays – Cassidy will throw out the Nash, Backes, um, Heinen line, and that line will keep the puck in the opposite team zone the whole time. They're just total puck control, puck control, puck control, and then he's able to throw out Krejci or Bergeron or somebody, and then they're able to to start generating plays again and start moving the puck around. It's 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 actually so
3: awesome to watch.
0: Yeah, because and Cassidy I'm, has so many tools to work with now.
3: I'm sure that third line has more icings. Like, they've created more icings than any other line in the NHL because it seems like they wear their opponents out that much that they have to choose to ice the puck just Nothing. to try and get out of the zone. And, yeah. the, and the, leader, the leader of that line is David Backus. Like, here's oh. the reason
0: they brought him in he has played phenomenal since coming back. Like, phenomenal. The yeah. guy is missing half a colon, for God's sakes.
2: Right. Yeah, it, t- touching on that, that fourth line, I mean, it, this is exactly what I've been preaching uh, to you guys and, and the listeners so, for so long. It, I mean, the fourth line's not ripping it up and goal scoring, but they're there to support, and they're there for the speed factor. I mean, this, this, f- these four lines are, are just what I've been talking about. I, I just cannot remember uh, a fourth line like this being so fast. Um, and regardless of uh, what everybody thinks about the fourth line in their particular role, I, the, the game's changing. This is exactly what other teams, like in the West, uh, for example, that have been doing for the past three or four years. Uh, and that's how they become so successful. It's nice to see the Bruins starting to realize that they need to do something like this to be in the top um, uh, echelon of the league. You know what I mean? So. Uh, a lot of good yeah. things. Everybody's supporting each other. It, it seems like everybody's really taking what Cassidy is uh, is preaching and and soaking it in. And and I you didn't see this with the last coach. It almost seemed like the bench was frustrated with the with the, the message that was being taken. So uh, a re- revitalized team that you see in right now is very positive. And like I said, I didn't see this happening, but. I mean, coming into the playoffs this season, you got to have some really positive thoughts. And I'm not going to go out on a limited to say we're going to get the cup this year, but you know, I, I definitely kind of see this team getting past the first round and maybe even a little further. So, I mean, you never know, but it, it's all exciting. I mean...
0: you a... look at the minutes, it's all close. Like, the, the fourth line averages about 12, 12 to 13 minutes a game. The third line, like I said, I, I felt they got out there more. They're they, they do get it. They're, they're 15 to 16 minutes a game. And then the second line is 13 to 14 minutes a game. And then you have your first line that's about 19
3: to 20 minutes a game. And you it, saw Curley as a full-time member of the uh, Bruins roster this year? Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't have picked him as well. I wouldn't no, I, either. He's
0: played, he's played well. The only person
3: that uh, I thought, I don't know, people said he was injured,
0: but I thought he was just getting uh, put down for a bit was Achari at one point, that one game. Yeah.
2: yeah um speaking of game changing and so on uh we, we got to talk about Zendano Chara and and the way he's been playing uh particularly this season it's a contract year for him I I'm 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 on board now for at least one more year if they sign thank you thank you very much thank you you love me you really love me um I'm just kidding um yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, just because of what's going to happen and in the, in the developing depth with uh, players like Zborl and Lawson. Um So with their additions maybe next year, who knows? Uh, I'm not sure what, what the Bruins are going to do at trade deadline. Um, you can move uh, a player like McQuaid. You can move... Um, you never know what's going to happen, but... The way he's playing and orchestrating that defense as a top pairing uh, defenseman uh, is 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 good. And at the age of forty, and I know Court's gonna—I'm stealing his thunder here—but actually, I have to ask you, Court, because I didn't understand—he's a plus twenty-four and leads the league. Yeah. Now, is he a plus? plus Yeah. Is he a plus twenty-four in just defense or league-wide? League-wide.
0: He's Uh, the the lead leaguer in plus-minus at plus twenty-four. He is the lead. He's the team leader in ice time at 23-24 average ice time. He's got thirteen points, four goals, nine assists. He's only been in the box for nine penalty. He's got. How about this? This is crazy. I didn't even notice this. He's got two game winning goals. Uh, so, and he's already got. He's already had seventy one shots on net. And you know, Bergeron's got wow. Bergeron's got one hundred forty one this year. I wonder is hot him in all the time. Yeah, but uh, Zdeno Chara... Is still, and they talked about him on um, Hockey Night in Canada in a couple of weeks. Still, one of the best defensemen in the league. And I, 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 I said it on Twitter the other day. Uh, he would be a starting pair on over eighty-five percent of teams in the league, maybe sure. ninety. Sure. And he's forty years old. Yeah. So he's, he's our still... starting pair of McAvoy and Chara is probably one of the best starting two in the NHL.
2: Oh no doubt, no doubt. Just by the way that McAvoy eats up those minutes. Hey,
0: McAvoy could be going to the All Star game now, because Morgan Riley looks like he's not playing.
2: Oh I
0: don't I, I don't want it, him to. <laughs> you know, I think it'd be good for him. He's young. It's a little different if it's a guy like i know everybody wants Bergeron there, but I can guarantee you he's happy not going. Oh
3: yeah, yeah. I don't want I don't want any more Bruins going. Well I know it, that probably, sounds bad. Yeah. But... I think it will be McAvoy though. If if Morgan Riley can't go, I think it'll be McAvoy.
2: Rob, why but why are you thinking that?
3: Because, first of all, if um, sorry, if he's playing that many minutes, he's obviously going to be tired out. Why not give him the break over the All-Star period? Let him rest. I don't want him getting hurt in an All-Star game. Exactly. Which has happened in the past to players and top players for top teams. I don't want that happening. Um and I just think if someone like Bergeron goes as well, like I'd rather have them just rest. Well, Bergeron's like, not going. Yeah. yeah no, but no
0: chance in the world.
3: Let someone else send a player and possibly get them injured for a bit of fun oh, on a weekend.
0: That's, that's the NHL chooses to go.
3: <clears throat> yeah. So I, I just hope they leave the Bruins alone. It's good enough with Marchand.
0: Hey, it's the only reason I think it'll be McAvoy because the NHL is trying to sell the game, right? So oh, they're like trying McAvoy, to sell
3: all the rookies. Yeah.
0: Well, not even that. You, you, the reason why a lot of people thought it'd be Morgan Riley. First off, he's he's having a good year, and second of all, he plays for Toronto. So
3: yeah.
0: right away that sells. But the only caveat that I'll say about it, if McAvoy went, he'd be the only one on the whole team besides any uh, other young guys to, that I wouldn't care if he goes or not. Because first off, he's going to get to meet. The elite of the NHL, or the so-called elite, because you got to pick one player from each team. So that's how Carey Price got there. But uh, he gets he gets to have that weekend where he, it's like an opening for him. It's it's such a good thing for him, um, development-wise, to even go to that weekend. He, he doesn't have to play a lot, but just to go to that weekend, be with the guys, and see that he is just as good as all these guys in the league it might be actually very good for him. Like The best thing in the world is playing with Chara, but for McAvoy to go to the All-Star
3: game could be very good for him. Yeah,
2: the experience. I'm
3: surprised Cassidy didn't get one of the coaching positions as well. That was one thing that kind of surprised me.
2: Speaking of Cassidy, what do you guys think about him for the Jack Adams? Just, uh, just, I love just, it. Just the way... Let's, let's go back to last year, okay? With 18 games remaining... I believe it was 18 or February in February, Claude Julien was fired and replaced by the intern Bruce Cassidy. So let's start from that point and then go into the beginning of the season when the the Bruins obviously struggled with a six, seven and something record to come out in the last 20 some odd games, 26 games and be 19, three and, and Oh, um, and just, the way he just molded this team into into what what it is today, I think he's got to be heavily considered for it. Yeah, I mean a lot. I mean with with Jerry Gallant too, of course, because Gerard. Of, Gerard, sorry.
3: That's all right.
2: Yeah. I'm learning.
3: If he if it's the okay. Bruins carry on the way that they're doing, I think he definitely deserves it. Um, yeah, yeah, being but we're being kind of homers that right
0: now. It's Gallant to lose. He's right, taking yeah. an expansion. Like, I, I I, would love for Cassidy to win it. And he's amazing. Like, you know, hashtag Cassidy forever. But um, it's Galant's to lose right now. Yeah. I, it sucks for Galant last night losing to Florida. But uh, I'm sure he won it of all games. He wanted to win that one. But uh, if Vegas makes the playoffs and stays where they are, it's going to be tough to not give it to that guy. Right. Yeah. He's got a team of misfits.
3: Yeah. And his- yeah, He's turned a lot of their careers around.
0: Otherwise, it's Cassidy's. It's one hundred percent. I don't see any other coach besides maybe um, uh, Maurice over in
2: Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. The Jets having a so crazy well. year.
0: Yeah. So like right now, it's between Maurice Cassidy and Gallant. Is it's my picks right now for for coach of the year?
2: Um, what do you guys think about Ryan Spooner's new role on the right side? I I I'm 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 actually in favor of him staying there. Uh, he he doesn't seem to feel as uncomfortable as I've seen him in the past, but uh, in this uh, small time frame that he's been on the on the right side, I, I've seen some real positive stuff.
3: Is it not just me, or does it not seem like he's playing center, just not taking the face Oh. Because to me, he's not really playing a winger's position in the offensive zone. He's playing more of a center's right on the half
2: wall, quarterback, and on the yeah. on
3: the sides. Yeah.
2: No, I, I I'm gonna have to start paying attention to more of that.
3: Yeah, I just it, I feel like Krejci is taking the face offs, doing all the neutral zone centers work, like the defensive side of uh, centering a line. But then when it comes to the offensive zone, he kind of switches out to a winger's position kind of goes more towards the net and just hangs around the white like, uh, hangs around the net or the back so i don't i don't know it might just be me but no I, i've been
0: noticing him off on the sidewall he treats it it almost like he plays his shift when they get in the neutral zone they start mm-hmm. the puck possession he plays it like he's on the power play and if, yeah. if um depending on the defenseman out there he start sort of if you notice whenever he's out there with carlo him and carlo switch and they'll have carlo on the sidewall and have have Spooner on the on the back there, so that he's playing with Krug, and they get to play the puck back and forth. And they have Carlo just trying to cycle the puck around. I with, noticed the same thing.
2: So with, with the with the recent play of Ryan Spooner and wherever he plays, um, are we still thinking that he's going to walk or possibly traded before the trade deadline on the twenty sixth of February?
3: No, I think he's probably going to stay a Bruin. I think he'll sign probably a two- or three-year deal. Um, I I think he likes playing for Cassidy. Cassidy knows his style of play and what he should be doing. I think he really likes it now. Um, And I don't think they can afford to get rid of him. I'm hoping he stays.
2: Well, obviously you have to balance into that is uh, the developing youth, um, and particularly uh, Jakob's voice, Barker Carlson. Uh, and yeah. the way well, he's been playing,
0: yeah. But also, you got to look at it. the only thing. The only caveat that I'll throw in there is Cassidy might trust the way he's playing. But if you remember the playoffs, we were injured, and Spooner still didn't play. Um, yeah. The one thing I will say, I can, I don't want to say a hundred percent because you know I don't know what's going on there. I have a f- sneaky feeling that if anybody's going to get moved to bring in a big piece, it's going to be Spooner, and the fact that he's playing well actually helps out. Because if you look at, Mark alluded to, the kids that are coming up, he eventually is not going to be that centerman on this team because there's just no room for him on the death chart. So eventually he is the guy that you move. Right.
3: Yeah, but what big piece would come in? Because I don't I, I know no what you, I, yeah. I don't
0: like getting into that, you know, this player or that player. I'm just saying if they were... Because they've been talking about it on... Uh, like I said, it's been great that Sportsnet's been talking about uh, the Bruins all the time. And Elliot Freeman said... You know, certain players are in play and the young guys aren't. So if certain players are in play, I'm going to assume that Ryan Spooner is that certain player. And the fact that he's playing well is just making Sweeney's job easier because unfortunately, if he continues the way he's playing, he's playing himself out of a roster spot because you're not going to want to give him that $5 million a year.
3: I just don't get the like what position they would want to boost because everything's playing so well right now. Well, the,
0: I, the, they, they wouldn't want to touch anything right now.
3: Yeah, but, but this, this, gonna, oh, he sorry.
0: playing the way. Sorry, it's okay. He keeps playing the way he's playing. He's going to cost five million dollars a year. You're not going to bring him back.
3: Yeah, true.
2: There's, there's also a lot of talk going on that the that and and it's not from the guys like at uh, Sportsnet or the other big networks, but writers that are under them that work pretty much in the same areas uh are saying that the Bruins are interested in getting a a, a big winger that that can on the right side on the right side of course and and because that seems to be the the need for the past couple seasons uh as we wait for um you know Zach and to blossom into the uh, projection that he's uh, going in um and and they're talking about a left shot defenseman again so i mean anything could happen but i mean the the trade deadline is well over a month away. And I'm with you guys. I mean court, I'm with you. I would not want to move anything. Don't fix what's not broken. No, I,
0: and and if you look on the left side, dude you, you've got Grizz playing so well. Right. You know that it's almost like wait till they fall apart. I yeah. don't know. You you see what's available because it's, I doubt and, and I don't know how you feel about this Rob. I don't see Sweetie mortgaging in the future
3: to try and win this year. Oh, no. And if you look at the players available, a lot of them are either players that have had problems in multiple organizations, um, such as Kane, Ugh. or or the players that are having hard times, like uh, Hoffman, who want to start fresh somewhere else. But look what that's done for Deshaies. Not too much. No, nope. So exactly. And if anything... The whole Duchene thing has made Colorado better because they've been winning a lot more games. So, I would stay clear of everything right now.
2: Yeah, I mean, really would.
3: I just, I just like the
2: way they're rolling right now, and and if you, they could do the next month before the trade deadline and and keep keep this up, I mean, this awesome play, this teamwork, the chemistry that they're creating. And when you when you talk about chemistry, I have to go back to talk about uh, Bruce Cassidy. Have you guys noticed that he really hasn't changed his lineup much in the past? Let's say fifteen games.
0: Oh, the only thing is difference is the Miller McQuaid, right? Exactly. Fact, it, but that's well, Achari sat for a period and a half.
3: Yeah, okay. Riley Nash coming up to the third line was changed, wasn't it? Didn't wasn't oh, he playing on the fourth?
0: No, he he that change oh. happened when they started winning. That uh, was the first, that was one of the, he, as as we've been alluding to every show, he
3: really likes Riley
0: Nash. Yeah. Oh yeah.
3: <laughs> but to be fair to him, for nice the price that Nash costs, Yep. I really like him. Oh, yeah. he's played amazing. Yep. I, I, I'll, I'll preach it to the, to the world. He's,
0: he's, he's played awesome. Unfortunately, he's playing himself out of the roster spot next year. It sucks. Yeah. Because yeah. the more he plays good, geez, that's some terrible English. Um, the less likely he's coming back, right? Because of costings, like you look at Spooner, Spooner's played 24 games, he's got 17 points. If you look at the market, he could easily ask for three to five million dollars if he keeps up the pace. Yeah,
3: and I think uh, Carolina will be looking to bring a guy like that back in next year if he's available,
0: or even Colorado.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah, because that guy can play third or fourth line all season long and if you have a problem in your top six he's there again so i i don't get people who bash on him because a lot of people do uh, and wonder why he's so liked by management but i i just think he's a top quality player i think he's yep. really underrated yeah I, that, I don't more... have a problem
0: with anybody on this roster uh,
3: yeah i don't either are playing well not anymore <laughs> uh... <laughs>
2: I mean, Riley Nash at twenty-eight and a nine hundred thousand dollars salary is definitely going to get an upgrade. Uh, he's young enough to to still have um, a decent uh, career in the NHL, and whether it's with Boston or another team, um, it, he's going to fit in well. Like like, and and just the fact is that he's a versatile forward uh, playing center and, and on the right side makes him a, a high commodity right there. And, and
0: who to say next year that that spot isn't Donato's?
2: Right, right. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: And on and in Bjork, work like, and JFK are both playing well in Providence. So
2: exactly. And yeah, you talk about Ryan Donato. The uh, Jimmy Vc crap is already starting up again.
0: That's okay. I just ignore. I I I literally on on Twitter now. I've made a new rule. If you tweet something and it sounds stupid to me and you're less intelligent, I unfollow Ooh. and block you, <laughs> or or, just, or mute you. I'm just done with it. I'm as soon as like you know I see stupid thing like Carlo's the worst defenseman. Yeah, you. Oh. You're, just, you're just an idiot. Or or trade Tuca or like just I'm just done with it. So I just keep. If you look at who I'm following now, or look who I I I literally, talking to as I put it, intelligent hockey people. Otherwise, you're just I, I'm done with it. I don't want to sound bougie. I just don't care. I just don't want it. I
3: don't want to be inundated
0: with negative stupidity.
3: There was an interview with is it Ted Donato his dad? Yep. Is, yeah, it? yeah, yep, yeah. There was there was an interview with Ted Donato saying that. He guarantees that there won't be the Jimmy Veezy thing with his son. Because his son's already committed himself to the Bruins. Yeah. Not he hasn't signed a contract, but he's like basically said that he's he wants to be a Bruin. That's all he's wanted. Yep. Uh that was the team that he wanted to draft him. So I think that kind of stuff is gonna happen to every college player ever. Right. And... Like I've seen people talking about um, who is the defenseman that you wanted? Was it Robbie Fabro? Uh, not Robbie Fabro. Um, Dante Fabro.
2: Dante Fabro. He.
3: Uh, I've seen people saying, "Oh, if he does the Jimmy Vizi thing and the Bruins take him or a steal," and I'm like, "How can you say that about a guy who's like not even ready for the NHL right now?" and just because he's a college player or oh, he's not, he's going somewhere other than where he got drafted. Like, yep. it's just stupid. Fa- just Favre- leave it alone until it happens.
2: Fabro's uh, in a, an elite class of, um, of prospects that Nashville have. And and oh, no. th- that defense is, is going to be solid for, for many years to come. Um, just with the core that they have now and the developing depth, uh, with Fab, um, uh, Dante and, and others. Um, Jumping on, I, I we have gotta do it because um, we we just love Tuukka Rask and I just love saying this because it just feeds more and more to the haters. But thirteen zero and two in his last fifteen games, he's got some good goals against and 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 his save percentage is always uh, impressive. Um, the month can we of... mention
0: mention that uh, against the that happens this year so far? He's got a one point two one goals against average. You no, know, that team that he can't beat. And... Yeah. All
2: that great stuff. Yeah. Never up for big games and, and nope. so on. No.
0: Nope. Poos his pants, right? Yeah. Yep. That's the other one. Yep. Yeah. That's intelligent um, talk right there. See, <laughs> that's the type of people I'm just like, mute, have a nice day.
2: <laughs> but, no, he's playing well. Uh, he's, he's really I mean, bought into this season. It looks like that he's um, he's definitely sold on what he sees in front of him. And, and I, I just think that to have him at, at this level the way he's playing is, is going to be huge for – uh, playoff success, uh, not only in the regular season but playoffs. So,
0: and Dobie, Dobie's played well too.
2: Yeah, and and what a surprise! You know, I, I, we talked about it with Matt Kalman uh, on the last show that we had, and and that was a great interview. Um, but uh, this this heavy consideration uh, when we talked about it at the beginning of the show of the the team goals against average. Uh, the Bruins are in second, right around third or second, whatever. Second. Uh, yeah, second, right behind LA. I mean, this team could literally Tampa. put together uh, in, in in the crease uh, a um, a Jennings Trophy. So,
0: yeah, two point four four eight goals against average right now. As a team.
2: And the last time the last time a Bruins uh, tandem did this was Tim Thomas and uh, Manny Fernandez.
0: And before that was Reggie Lemelin and Andy Mo.
2: Exactly. So, then fucking court dropping the stats.
0: Come on, everybody has that upper deck hockey card of the two of them on it. Yeah, I do we too. All, we all have. It.
2: <laughs> so I just love the way Tuka's playing uh, lately, and he just seems like he's uh, ready to roll. And um,
0: I think we can all just say we love the way the team's playing. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not one individual on this team. It's everybody coming together and, and supporting each other. Which is is something great to see, and we haven't seen it in the, in the past couple of years, in my opinion anyway. Even though they made the playoffs last year, they just still didn't seem like they were fully bought in, and 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 now it's just it's it's so
3: good to see. And we we always talk about players that we're going to need to uh, shed cap for. Uh, Dolby can be added to that list now because he's going to earn a contract next year. Yeah. Um, there's no one McIntyre's not ready we know that Um, especially seeing a loaned out goaltender's getting more ice time than him Uh, and there's no one in the system looks even close to NHL ready goaltending wise so I think you have to re-sign Dobie on how he's played and he's going to want a lot more than he's getting paid now. well
0: that's i actually think he might actually take a discount
3: to stay here say they're willing to give him a two-year deal because he's the
0: he's you might as well call him a suitcase goalie because he plays on a different team all the time if he's if they're willing to give him stability and say here we'll give you a two-year deal then i think he's willing to come in at a decent cap hit but i disagree if he's wanting to take more than what he's getting now he will not be back next year right yeah mm-hmm. not a chance like sweeney will be like have a nice day I'm sorry. He, Sweeney has two big players he needs to sign, and one of them he's going to probably try and sign this summer, and that's McAvoy. It's he's he's you have to look at the future, and you can't be like, all right, Doby's playing well, let's give him a, a good contract. You're just going to handcuff this team to bring in a goalie that could go downhill. He might have just had a good year. It's a scary, it's a scary thought.
2: Yeah, and I'm not I'm not totally sold on on McIntyre. I mean, if you talk, if we had this conversation last year around this time. I'd be all in on on a decision of saving some cap money, bringing in McIntyre to back him up. I mean that we, you definitely increase Tuca's uh, time in the cre- in the crease, but you don't want to do that. You don't want to burn him out. Having a player like Hudobin right now is is somewhat, you know, given the rest that he needs um, to finish out this regular season. But uh, what's going on in Providence with McIntyre now is he's not playing very well. He's been giving up goals on the regular within a minute of the game to start. And that's not good. It's, it's just his preparation doesn't seem like it's it's there this season as it was last year. And But if you're thinking about money now, and you could try to mold him over the summer and, and what he does uh, for the rest of this season, um, you could save money because McIntyre is not going to be a million-dollar player. He's going to come in at $650,000. And you could work with the cap that way. But you still need that guy that's going to back him up, back Tuca up and, and give him rest. So it's going to be an interesting situation what goes on regardless. Um, and the way Chad Bennington's, I mean, I'm sorry, um, Jordan Bennington's playing the guy, the goaltender on loan, and the, the guy's an all-star. He's not even Bruins property, and he's, and he's out playing, uh, you know, a Bruins I don't technically consider uh, McIntyre a prospect anymore because he signed a two-way deal so um, he's just outplaying a guy that's that is Bruin's property so um, yep. it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in that I mean maybe maybe the uh, the Bruins give a draft pick to St. Louis and then now he'll be a full-time Bruin in the organization who knows but
3: He's playing I would well. love them to do that.
0: It was just so Adam McQuaid will be in the lineup tonight, and Kevin Miller is still working his way back after illness, as per Bruce Cassidy. And that's his third awesome.
2: straight game. So, and I thought I thought McQuaid <laughs> played well on Wednesday night when I went and saw the game. I thought he. No, uh, I saw him
0: jump into the play one time. I was like, "What?"
2: Yeah, I know, right? Um, but what I did notice his shifts were very limited. Yes. Yeah, so they really—I mean, he's—he's—he he might be a hundred percent to play, but they're still very cautious on how much time he's spending out there. So,
0: Chara um, had that four-minute shift at one point.
2: That was crazy. Oh, yeah. That was crazy, and boy, he was just like skating through people uh, on Wednesday night when I saw it live. It was—it was good to see, and and one of the reasons why I had such really good positive uh, things to say about today. Um, Actually,
0: McQuaid played twenty minutes.
2: Yeah, he right, played. He played-
0: so only Chara and McAvoy played more.
2: Oh. I didn't know that, but it, yeah, it, neither did I. May, maybe just from being there and watching him. He, I mean, as soon as he came off the bench and the whistle came, he was automatically way off. But
0: yeah, and then Carlo only 16, but then again, he had a two in a penalty. Otherwise, he'd be up there. Right. And as usual, like everybody loves him, but just everybody can look. Uh, Grizz plays the least amount of minutes every night.
2: Yeah, yeah and he's given a solid effort.
0: Because, like I said before, he's young. You put him out there more, you're going to see. he mistakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He could be diving in overtime.
2: Yeah. Um, <sighs> hey, what do you guys, uh, just some um, out of the, the Bruins-related uh, discussion uh, real quick. Uh, expansion. Um, there's a lot of talk going on about uh, the Phoenix Coyotes possibly wrapping up. If they don't get a new arena deal that um, a, a great fit for a team like that is not far away in Houston, Texas, and to become a, um, a natural rival with the Dallas Stars. Um, but it also seems like Seattle is going to be heavily favored for the next expansion team to come no, in. No, so.
0: that, that's, that's a given. Seattle's getting the team.
2: Right, right. So, yeah, but uh, the, the Phoenix team would actually be a relocation. Yeah, I think it would be Quebec. Yeah, really? You think Quebec? Yeah. I mean, they got, they do have the arena. Like they we talked have about, the arena,
0: they already have the facilities. They have the money, and as much as you know, I understand. But remember, Winnipeg is a giant success. Oh yeah, um, it, I would think it would be in Quebec because you could still, it still wouldn't mess around with everything when you're realigning the leagues. Yeah, like you can put, you can put a team, another team over in Dallas. But I'll be totally honest with you, I don't think it'll work.
2: Right.
3: And what
0: what yeah, I like, I, it, Carolina could be that team you moved to Houston.
3: Right, and they just Seattle not, have, uh, Seattle have just licensed like ten names for yeah. a team, haven't they? Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they're gonna yeah. be a team. Yeah. So they're getting ready. Yeah. Um So like
0: a, they might be did, realigning the divisions once this all happens, right?
3: Yeah. Does well, that they happen to... this next season? Like, do they no. come in over the off season? No, or they'd be, do they they'd wait be, another year?
0: They'll wait another year. They would have announced yeah. it already. The GM would have to get they gotta give the G I have a funny feeling they'll announce this summer that Seattle
3: has a team. Oh because the Reno won't be ready. That sucks though, like two expansion drafts in three years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, That's what it is. The good. way
0: they're talking, the way they're talking on, you know, the Twitter space and the T V, it sounds like it's coming a lot
2: sooner than we think. Yeah. Yeah, that and what I like what I like about Seattle is just that that market and, and and a lot of people say that they don't have a hockey market and I'm like are you kidding me? Obviously you don't pay attention to junior hockey and and the dub. That's I mean that Northwest Division in, in the United States and and they're basically all located in Washington state. That is a huge huge market. People will travel, you know. Yeah. So
3: I, I think they travel that much for junior hockey, for NHL hockey. Yeah. Yeah, because you be think crazy. about it if you
0: added Houston they would have to stay in the Western conference so it just wouldn't make any sense if they were the the relocation right yeah. if you're gonna move Carolina or you're gonna you're gonna move one of these franchises and Carolina or if, well Phoenix could stay in the Western conference that makes sense but Carolina like that team is oh, they're scrum, oh they can't even get people in the game
2: and the one thing about expansion or relocation that, uh, that I really liked about what Winnipeg did is they, they didn't go all out on building a huge arena that's going to um, hold 20, 21,000, 22,000 like a lot of other teams did, uh, i.e., Florida Panthers. Um, they went out and did uh, 13, 5 or 14, 5. I'm not sure what the number is, but they, they made well, it they, work. They
0: used an old rank. They used an old rank.
2: Yeah, and they made it work. So there's no need to go out and build a huge arena thinking that you're going to get these uh, massive amounts of uh, ticket sales. You know, I mean, the ticket drives lately for expansion teams have been great. I mean, Los Angeles, I'm, I'm sorry, Vegas. Las Vegas have, have been, uh, I was very surprised about the, the numbers and, and how long it took to get uh, not completely sold out, but that, just that, that like 90% number that they they did. So, um it's good to see that it's working in markets that you wouldn't think would work, especially with the way they're playing. Uh, <laughs> a team like Vegas uh, could could be very good in ticket sales for a number of years. Um, but I I like the idea of expansion. I, I think the team the, the league is growing in a positive direction. I just want it to be in in areas that are going to make sense. Um, obviously, you have the market in Quebec, which is uh, is huge. So. Um, but uh, we, we've definitely come up to an hour. And uh, we, we, we have an hour conversation with Steve Conianos, uh, the draft analyst. And he can be found on Apple uh, Podcasts and, and anything uh, coming up next. So... Um, Rob, I got to, I got to say, man, this was a great show. It's good to have you back, my friend. Um, yeah, it's I been too long. Yeah, <laughs> so we're gonna get back on on a regular schedule. Court, as always, thank you very much uh, for the time and and and, and both of you uh, scheduling a day early on the on the show so we can get this done so I can celebrate properly with my wife.
3: Oh no worries. I hope uh, Courtney has a great day.
2: Yes, we've already started. Uh, it's been it's been good so far. So we're gonna go have a nice uh, uh, dinner and then um, attend a uh, youth hockey uh, thing for Amesbury. So it's gonna be fun. Um, as always, we thank you very much for listening. Um, you can find us on all the podcasts: Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Um, please go to black and gold, blackandgoldhockeyblog.com. Buy a T-shirt, buy a sticker, uh, cheap stuff, and and read the content that's coming out. And if anybody out there is interested in writing for uh, our team, please um, send me an email. Let me know your experience, and we'll talk. So uh, thanks again, and uh, please uh, stick around for the uh, Steve Cornianos interview, uh, the draft analyst. Take care, everybody.
4: JT Comfort. Here's
0: Notre Dame back the other way. York
2: fires, scores! Notre Dame ties it up!
4: Picked off there by Gilbert. Taken back by Greenway. To the middle.
1: McEvoy scores! Unloads On a one-timer and it's a 3-1 lead for the Terriers!
2: Two goal it's three one now in favor of the Greyhounds. Here's Dinish. Working his way out of the right wing. Poked it by Petsig. He's right in. Oh Jack oh. oh, what a goal! Hey Bruins fans, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, we're going to talk a little prospect uh, with um, my guest. uh, And he's a former, he's a returning guest actually. And uh, he's uh, an NHL draft analyst uh, and hockey historian. You can read his website content at the draftanalyst.com website and also hear his uh, awesome podcast, the Draft Analyst podcast, on platforms such as Apple Podcasts and others. Um, Mr. Steve Coniano. Steve, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, and returning to the program. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It's awesome being back. Um, I, I really wanted to... I, we, we've we been ta- kind of crazy over here uh, with the website and the podcast. We've been taking a week off to uh, try to acclimate a lot of new writers and so on. So we haven't really touched on uh, the World Juniors that happened in Buffalo uh, the end of the year and the beginning of 2018 so um, and you've done a fantastic job I've I, I put your alerts on so every time you tweeted something I got it immediately So and and thank yeah. you oh, thank- Wait, you
4: could do that. Oh, you know, yeah, you could you get Twitter. alert. I gotta I gotta look into it. Oh, yeah I always, There are times where I, I'll like tweet something out and like and it's almost amazing how people how quickly they respond And I guess you just kind of answer the question because I guess you can get
2: like alerts is Absolutely. it
4: now? Is it like a hashtag alert, or is it like a? No, a-
2: actually, actually, when I go when I go to your profile on Twitter, you can look up and the, there's an icon there, um, and you click on it, and you can you can have uh, all your tweets immediately come through like a text message. Oh so my goodness, you true. don't even you don't even have to be on Twitter. I mean, and I can get an alert from you. So so while while you were doing all your uh, your world junior coverage, I was getting everything so it, it was just oh, fantastic whether it be Bruins no, 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 related it. whether it be Bruins related or or any other news about prospects I love that stuff and, and you do an awesome job on both the podcast and the website so um uh let's just get right into it let's start off with the uh the, the six prospects uh that the Bruins uh, had participating in the two thousand world Junior championships and uh, I, we got to start with our home country. That's the, the United States of America. and yeah. I was kind of up and down on this prospect. I am a very, very, very big Trent Frederick fan. I'm yeah, so, I was too. I'm so I glad too. the Bruins, uh, from what I understand, and this is just, um, we got the air quotes out there, that the Anaheim Mighty Ducks were very interested in him, and the Bruins yeah. got some information saying that they were going to pick him. So might have been a good thing behind closed doors but he i mean his first part of his jun- uh, world junior championship tournament wasn't the i mean he was playing well he just wasn't scoring yeah. offensive but the the latter part of the tournament he really turned it up and i yeah. I, I i want to get your thoughts on the uh on the university of uh, wisconsin forward well first of all i
4: i didn't have a problem with where he was picked i know when he was picked late in the first round uh, Bruce fans, a lot of them were freaking out because they said he was like, hey, I think it was Gretzky who not Wayne, me and his brother, who said, uh, well, we, you know, we see him as like a third line. So he said something along those lines, and everyone freaked out, like, why are you drafting a third liner in the first round? But I watched him that entire year play with the NTDP. Uh, I think I saw him play maybe like five, six games live, in addition to uh, going to the uh, watching all the games on the streams on. On the uh, on the net and everything like that, so I always liked him. I had him as a like a middle middle second rounder, so getting picked late in the first round not a big deal. Uh, he's he's had a really good season at Wisconsin. He's one of their leaders, if not the team leader. Even though uh, I think Cam Hughes is is kind of like the captain of that team, but but Frederick to me is like a real complete player. The thing about Team USA at the World Juniors is you just knew looking at the roster on paper that they were going to rely heavily on that top line, whether it was going to be middle stat with Logan Brown and Kayla Yamamoto or some variation of that. So I knew right off the bat that uh, Trent Frederick and Ryan Paling were going to be the go-to guys for like late game draws, close games, uh, pe- key penalty killing situations, things like that. So I wasn't too really concerned about uh, his lack of production in the, in the beginning of the tournament. First of all, like number one, they, they blew out. Who was it? They blew out Denmark in the opener. Okay. You know, everyone kind of, you know, had a hand in that one. And then they 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 struggled against Slovakia. Slovakia played like they, I call them. They played like the Villanova 1985 game against Georgetown. Like the, the perfect the perfect game you could possibly play to upset uh, a big powerhouse. Uh, and so he did a really good job in that game. I think penalty killing and a lot of the game was inside their own end. Uh, and then you know this, this, the the outdoor game. It's a while. I mean, like you're playing outdoors, so how, you, how could you really gauge a guy's skill or whatever? It's The kids, you could just tell that they were miserable. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? But uh, you're right. As the tournament progressed, he was huge, especially in the game against Finland, which was a critical game because if they lose that game, uh, they might not make it to the uh, – well, I don't think they're going to get relegated, but they could have gotten a, you know, a horrible draw in the first round. Uh, and then, of course, the game against Russia, which was a tight game. He did well in that one. He and Paling were excellent Killing penalties, and then you know you had the game against Sweden where things kind of fell apart, and then he bounced back and had a this ridiculous game. I think if you look at the stats and you say, okay, he had five goals in seven games. Well, I think what four of them were in the last game, the bronze medal game. Yeah, but it's it's still a bronze medal game. Like you know the teams are still playing for something. It's not. uh, It might sound like a consolation game, but I really thought overall out of all the um, the USA forwards that didn't get a chance to play a lot. And we're stuck with defensive zone draws and um, zone starts, you know, in their own end or in the neutral zone. I thought he did really well. So I mean, maybe some might say, well, first round pick in in '98 uh, or in uh, in 2016, he should have uh, did more. But really, on the surface, and even watching him play, I thought he did, had he did quite well.
2: Yeah, and and just from the, a lot of the analysts, like Dave Starman, is another follow that I, I I pay close attention to because he's really up on the uh, on the prospects like like yourself. Yeah. Um has said that he's just got an NHL shot right now. Um and, yeah. and that release is just it's, it's unbelievable and the way he could pick those corners uh is, is really good. And he does that for the Badgers team too in in his second year uh yeah. as a oh, sophomore. Yeah. So um no, there's a lot of good a lot of good attributes to his game. Um you know, I, I can I could possibly see him even a uh, second line center in the future. Uh, yeah. You know when it comes down to it, but obviously I'd love to see him. I'm always a guy when it comes to prospects. I like to see the guys at least do one year in the AHL. I mean, no nobody's gonna. A lot of people don't have the McAvoyism. You know what I mean? That they 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 just have that 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 upside that's gonna warrant them a, a spot right in the NHL right away. So. Um, I, I like building yeah. within, getting the, the system, um, you know, inbred into the brains. Even though that some of these kids are obviously got a lot of that when they come to these summer camps, so um, it's just good for development. And you know, you never want to stink or like, you remember Zach Hamill? Oh yeah, yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, but the thing is, is like, you, you, yeah, it, it depends really because I, the one thing that y- you run the danger of doing is if, if these kids come in at 18 and have a really good development camp or they have a really good training camp like you look at Philip Hito with the Rangers or even Kayla Yamamoto with the Oilers they had great camps and then when they played in the NHL it's like all right well, clearly they're not ready uh, and you run the risk There's certain coaches in the NHL I'm not going to name names but th- there are a good majority or a good chunk of coaches in the NHL that they just don't like playing kids they think that it's a, a merit-based system uh, but at the same time they like to play their veterans as well because there's that loyalty thing and they got to keep their veterans or their best players happy. And so if a kid is is stuck on the bench and I mean, how many 18 year olds are going to sit there and be like, wow, I'm just happy to be here and this is great and let me just learn. A lot of them, they've been the best player on their teams for their whole lives. And here they are finally get to the NHL. Uh, they probably think for a little bit like, oh, wow, I really am that good. I'm in the NHL. But then they're not playing and then they might doubt their skills or try to do too much. And then. Uh, they might develop a reputation and, and then you're stuck. You might be stuck in this, uh, you know, this role where you can't get up past the third line. And it happens all the time. You know, I mean, listen, there's only 31 teams and and what, uh, you know, 18, uh, 20 spots uh, on a roster. So, but yeah, I agree. Like go to the HL, spend a year there, know what it's like to be, you know, traveling like that and making a little bit more money and things like that. And then see, will take it from there.
2: Yeah. Um. Jump into the blue line uh, for the United States team during the World Junior Championships, uh, Ryan Lindgren, I thought, had a tremendous tournament, even though, that, you know, I mean, you look at his stats, they weren't all there, but the, the dude was a truck, man. That uh, that, yeah. kid, that kid has just got really good vision when uh, opponent, opponents come into that zone, and, and that defensive coverage, uh, he immediately just uh, attacks to. Um, what are your thoughts on Ryan? Well yeah, he's a he's a typical Bruins uh I guess player
4: if you even want to go back to the old school. Like he's a he's a heavy hitter, he's thick, uh pretty good size and uh, he'll he'll stand up at the blue line. He doesn't really budge an inch. Uh I think both he and Adam Fox, you know, last year's team that won the title, or won the the, the gold, you know, they had McAvoy, they had I think they had Caleb Jones too. And those two guys were very kind of like confident with the puck and willing to uh, you know, with their partners, they had a lot of uh, chemistry, and they understood. Okay, I know when to attack, when not to attack. I think I don't think Lindgren and Fox this year were, were able to fill that that void, I guess, or that uh, left by McAvoy and Jones. Uh, I, I like the fact that he's physical. I think he did really good job on the penalty kill. Uh, but you know, the problem is when you're a defensive defenseman, or when you have an offensive minded partner, and you like to move the puck yourself, you really have to. I guess, like, kind of tighten it up a little bit and just say, hey, you know what? It's his puck. Let him go do his thing. The U.S. defensemen that are rushing the puck, guys like Quinn Hughes, Scott Perunovich, and Adam Fox, they were all over the place, and they put their partners in precarious situations. So because of that, you got a chance to see uh, guys like Lindgren and uh, Andrew Peake uh, and Dylan Sandberg you defend a lot of two-on-ones against. I mean, how many times did we see uh, other teams coming down against the U.S.? Two on one, three on one, uh, you know, two on zero oh or whatever. And usually it's the other way around. It's always the Americans that have the advantage in numbers. So I thought Lindgren did pretty good in that regard. I don't see him as a as a top pairing guy or a kid with top pairing potential. I see him as a really good complementary top four guy that could play, you know, 19 to 22 minutes a night. Uh, you know, be there in the in, the, in those late game draws. Uh, and of course he's very physical, very tough to beat in the. So you're not going to get a lot of points from him. That's just not his game. He does have good vision. Like you said, he's good with his outlet passes and he can spring guys for breakaways. But, um, you know what I was looking at, when I look at prospects that got drafted pretty high, I want to say, okay, well, can they take, I guess the next step, can they exceed expectations? There's nothing wrong if they meet expectations. Uh, but I want to see if they exceed it. And I don't think really anybody outside of a few players on team USA, uh, exceeded expectations. I think they all did pretty much what we expected them to do.
2: Yeah. When you when you think about comparisons, um, yeah. for me anyway, when you talk about Ryan Lingwin and the way he uses his body, um, when opponents come into the zone, uh, that hip check it just just brings me back to Ray Bork and the way that he got his body yeah. low and just yeah. devastated players along the boards. It was or yeah, open yeah, ice, he you was know. One of
4: the best, that's for sure.
2: So I mean, that's that's kind of my gauge on on how I think of Ryan and and his in his physicality, but um. Uh, and then now jump into goal um we didn't see much of jeremy Swayman uh he's a university of maine prospect. <laughs> oh he did get in some game in the bronze medal i think it was only a couple minutes uh just to get him yeah, yeah get him yeah, in yeah. there but um it's something like that yeah he's uh I, I think he's been playing he was kind of a surprise pick for me um uh, i i thought that even though the Bruins didn't have a third round uh, in 2017. I thought they were going to go after um, a, a player like uh, D'Pietro or uh, yeah. uh, Keith uh, Um you know, some uh, local kid. But um, they went with Swayman. He's got he does have some really good skill. Uh, I've watched a bunch of game at, games at the University of Maine this season in his freshman year, and I'm I'm actually very surprised. And I'm and I kind of believe that he's really getting uh, a lot of. Um, good um, teaching methods from uh, former UMaine goaltender Mike Dunham, which is which was brought onto the staff over the summer. Yeah. Um, so, and he's been playing well. And um, what do you think of his upside and, and where he might fit in the uh, in the Bruins organization in the future? Well, I think he should have played
4: more in the World Juniors. I think they got, you know, Wall and Edinger, first of all, and I watch plenty of Hockey East, uh, you know, all the games are streamed uh for free. So I watched the last time I watched Swain before the tournament is when they played uh they played BU and he was under siege and he was he had an outstanding game. I think they won like four or two or something like that. Um but you know the the uh the N T D P goalies, the guy that guys that are in that program, which in this case were wool and Edinger before they went to college, uh you know the 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 USA hockey is in love with these guys and they always kind of ride their N T D P kids. You could call it politics, call it favoritism, whatever Um, I was surprised that that Swayman wasn't given uh, another look, Uh, especially because Wall struggled. Listen, let's call a spade a spade. I know he's a Boston College kid and he's young, Uh, but he he was terrible. He was terrible in the tournament. His glove hand was, you know, KPD used to call John Casey, said John Casey had the amazing Technicolor five hole. (laughs) Well, Joseph Wall, the WAC, had the amazing Technicolor glove hand. I mean, he was getting destroyed all tournament long. And at some point, Moscow, the coach, should, you you got to do something. And uh, you could say that uh, uh, it's a big reason why they didn't repeat or come close to repeating. I know it was just one game. But, uh, you know, I like swimming a lot. I think technically he's sound. He's quick. He doesn't stay on the ground too long. He uh, knows where the net is. So, you know, when he's challenging a, a player coming down, let's say he's in one of the circles. He doesn't give too much room on the glove hand side, which a lot of young goalies tend to do. Uh, So, uh, yeah, you know, when I watched that game against BU and the poor kid was under siege, making save after save and dealing with those big bodies in the crease, tracking pucks uh, through traffic in front of you, uh, you know, I thought maybe, I know it's easy in retrospect to say that, and I wasn't, you know, certainly I wasn't tweeting out, you know, put Swayman in, put Swayman in, uh, but. I guess in retrospect, I think any coach, when you have three quality goalies and one of them is struggling, you take them out. You just take them out. I mean, if, if it's a, to give them a rest or whatever. But I do, th- I like his upside. I think with goalies at this age, man, you got to wait like probably three, four years. They're not going to, it's not like the old days where you're going to have a kid like, a guy like Wa when he was a kid or Martin Brodeur uh, come in and make a huge wave. I mean, look at Tim Thomas. You know, he, he toiled and toiled. He, you know, I think he went to Vermont and then he was on the Nordiques and, Yep. It took him a while to finally make his mark. So all it takes is one or two tweaks. You got a guy like Dunham as his goaltending coach is a good start. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, sometimes when it comes to goalies, it's really just preference, uh, and what goes on in their personal lives is also a pretty big deal too. Because goalies is kind of like uh, they're like pitchers before a game. They're very uh, superstitious and quirky, and you know things like that. You know, you read about Carter Hart, the Canadian goalie, which is one of my favorite stories of the World Juniors. Is like he had this he has this thing where he has to be the last person off the ice, but the Swiss goalie was like, had to do something or he, so he wasn't getting off the ice. And so Hart was just standing there waiting and waiting and waiting.
2: I remember like that 15
4: minutes to get off. Then you know, the Swiss guy wasn't leaving. So, uh, yeah, I, I like him. Like I said, just keep an eye on him, but, uh, he's probably going to be a guy that's going to stay at Maine for a while and uh, ultimately spend a year or two in Providence before we
2: really get to an idea of what he is. Well, the, 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 the good thing about Swayman is, um, He's already taken over the starting job from a, a junior goaltender that's been with Maine, Robert McGovern, and so that's a positive sign right there. And the other thing about Jeremy is um, is what he was looked at for the 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 position, the third goaltending position in for the uh, the World Junior team, was that he was getting a lot of time and a lot of shots, like you mentioned uh, a minute ago. So he was getting a ton of rubber, and they, they really liked seeing that uh and he was getting more shots than than Ottinger and Wall so yeah um uh, you know I'm I'm pretty sure that he's gonna be in the mix sooner or later it's good that he's a freshman because just there's just the way that the uh the goaltending depth is set right now with uh as your number one till 2021 um the backup is always up in the air but then you look down at McIntyre and, and Vladar and 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 you see and, and Kyle Kieser and so on. So you kind of you, you want somebody in the fold like that, it, you know, it, to have more options in goal is a good thing. But I still think that they they need to add one more uh, in the 2018 draft, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah,
4: in the later rounds, though, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't use a high pick on a on a goalie. I mean, there there are some good goalies in this draft. Uh, one of them uh, being Skarek, who could go pretty high, uh, the, the Czech kid. But, uh, you know, when it comes to goalies, it is the thing. The good thing about goalies is that you could have, let's say, five in your pipeline. You could have uh, two in the AHL, maybe two more in Europe, and then one or two in the ECHL. And being in the ECHL as a goalie is not a bad thing. And we could go through a long list of former or current NHL goalies. Ah, uh, that developed in the ECHL. So, you know, I I think it's a situation where you could never have too much goaltending. Yep. And I, you could do the Flyers method, which is just draft like two to three every year, and eventually one of them is going to turn out. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see on that. You know, with the Flyers, up to wait. But, but yeah, I agree. I, I like Swayman, and I, I think uh, the fact that he does see a lot of shots, and as a freshman, was given a more increased role, I guess, or, or more responsibility on his shoulders, is definitely a good sign for uh, for the Bruins
2: um all right moving to the uh european teams uh especially in finland uh forward una Kompanen, uh i thought he had a, an exceptional tournament um big kid rangy forward uh can, yep. can can lay some some decent hits and also has uh good vision up and down the ice uh it plays a decent 200 foot game for uh, for the finn um uh, your thoughts yeah, I always liked him. Uh, he's a big kid. He's a two-way
4: center. Uh, he could play wing too, but I think he's, he's definitely his natural position is playing center. Uh, really good penalty killer. Uh, long stride. He could motor up the ice. Uh, you know, sp- straight line speed's pretty good for a guy his size. Uh, the thing about the Finns is they they got off to such a bad start in the tournament that they uh, that they had to rely on they're big, they're big guns more. So he didn't see a whole lot of time, I guess on the power play or like, you know, offensive zone starts or when the close games, late in games, things like that. Uh, he had a, he had a really nice shorthanded goal against, you know, Mr. Wall, the aforementioned Joseph Wall who didn't, uh, but, uh, yeah, I like him a lot. He, he plays uh, in the Finnish elite league in the SM Liga. He's one of the top six players there. Uh, and you know, there's talk about him coming over to North America sooner than later. Uh, Like you know, when he was drafted, you know, sixth round pick, so uh, a fifth or sixth round pick. But the uh, people called him kind of a raw, a raw talent. But he's a smart kid. He's a really good positional two-way center. He knows where to position himself. His stick is always in the right place. He's got a really good shot. Uh, uh, Has good vision. I think he needs to work a little bit more on his, uh, I guess, his creativity. Uh, Sometimes he's just a pretty. uh, He's a pretty. uh, I guess you could telegraph what he's doing when he comes down the ice. But overall, I, I, think he, I think he had three or four goals in the tournament, uh, and he scored that big short in the goal against Team USA that started a comeback and ultimately uh, almost uh, got them into overtime. So, uh, yeah, I thought he had a strong tournament. Didn't do as well in the, in the face-off circle as I thought he would. He's usually a good face-off kid, uh, but he didn't do too well in this tournament. But, uh, I, I, like I said, I think the Bruins, when you look into the fifth and sixth round, and you got – not only do you have a kid with size and a kid with the offensive skills – but the kid, you know, you'll get his progression. He's always been a kid that played for the Finnish teams. You know, U17, U18. But the fact that he was invited and made the team and actually played a decent amount of time uh, at the WJCs, you just you have to be happy with that.
2: Yeah, I I look forward to seeing him when he when he uh, finally signs his ELC and uh, and heads on over because uh, I do spend a lot of time in Providence so. Um... Uh, just the additions of uh, what this organization has done with with the youth and and, and replenishing the uh, the prospect pool is it's just been great to see and and he'll definitely be a a huge asset. So yeah, um, uh, the, the defense core of uh, Team Finland, um, and 2017 Bruins first round pick uh, Euro Vakkaninen. Um, this was pretty much my first. I mean, besides the development camp uh four day duration that i attended uh which is basically a show of skills you know this yeah, um, yeah it's not it's not game action so basically and i really don't have any access to 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 watch any of these games over in europe um you know if you do uh, send me some uh send me some yeah, links well,
4: you just have to have really good uh ad blockers because it like some of those uh those like streaming sites are cancer to the idea yeah yeah have and I but yeah, that. but there's definitely you. You're not going to really find it on a YouTube stream. Uh, you know, some people do that. Did that for the WJC, But yeah, I'll hook you up.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. I got a 27 inch iMac, and I think the last time I watched that was the one that I it really just died on me, and I can't afford yeah. to spend two thousand dollars every year. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I, I there was I saw some really good points. Um, he, he he's he's got good vision. Uh, he uh he really looks for the stretch pass and and, and yes. very um you know that those tape to tapes are good and, and and he's really good at that uh his defensive positioning it was good but what i really like to see him work on just as a from a fan's perspective is uh his his strength uh in front of the yeah. uh, in front of the crease and in front of the goaltender when opponents are trying to wreak havoc uh so there's there's a lot of good things to work on i mean he it, is I'm pretty sure he's going to spend at least another year or two in Europe before heading over. But, um, what do you think? Well, first of all, I, I like this kid a lot.
4: I, I, I liked him. Uh, when I did my preseason rankings, uh, last year, I had him as a top 10 pick. And the reason why, because he does two things. One that you touched on is his passing, his vision, always an accurate passer, tape to tape, crisp hard use, uh, you know, banks, uh, chip, uh, chips, leads, uh, uh, layups, you name it. Like this guy is a very good passer, uh, and pl- but the other thing is, is his skating. He's a phenomenal skater. He's got he's a very fluid, smooth skater. He's got a long stride, uh, edge work is excellent, pivots well. Uh, so uh, those two things, you know, when you combine that, in addition to his size, I mean, he's got pretty good size. Like six one, one ninety. So I always liked, and I also I viewed him as a, I wouldn't even say as a poor Manzola Yulevi. You know, Yulevi was the fifth round, uh, fifth overall pick of the Canucks in 2016. I think that he's a, a similar play to Yolevi. Uh The thing about Yo Levi is he gets a lot more time on the power play and uh, might have a better as a harder shot, more accurate and kind of uses that to his advantage on the uh, with the man advantage. But Vakanen was a guy. The thing about the world juniors after the stand is like Finland had an all star team defense. I think five out of the seven players on that defense well, first round picks, yep. uh, you know, a lot of them from last year. Yo Levi came back. He's the senior guy. And Think about Yo Levi Is he, you know, not to kind of, you know, to change the topic, but he hasn't really turned into what people right now, what they thought he'd be. Fifth overall pick in a very, uh, in, a, in a good draft. So he had to go back to Finland. He was in London in the OHL. Had to go back to Finland. And he's in, in the same boat as Vakanen. They're, they're both top pairing defensemen on their respective Finnish elite league team. Vakanian does a really. he plays for Saipa. He does a really good job with them. Not a whole lot of offense, but the team doesn't really generate a lot of offense. And whereas Levy does play for a pretty good offensive team with some weapons on it, and it reflects in the score sheet. Uh, I thought that he when, he, when it comes to his WJC, I thought he understood, listen, it's not my defense core. Levy's the senior guy. Miro Heiskanen is a, you know, maybe a little bit more capable w- with the puck, or more dynamic than I am. So he just he took a step back and he made a lot of smart plays. So if people might look at his WC, well, he didn't put up any points and he wasn't really on the highlight reel. That's not the kind of player that he is. Yes, he's capable of putting up points, maybe 25 to 35, somewhere in that area. But you're getting a really smart kid who could skate well. And I agree. He, he needs to bulk up. That was the knock on your levy. Same thing with, with and They need to bulk up. They need to stop wandering really far from their crease or their slot duties and learn how to handle uh, bigger – uh, if not players of the same size inside the, uh, the crease of
2: the low slot area. Um, and I wanted to use the uh, Annen, uh conversation as, as one thing that I wanted to address or basically just ask, ask your personal uh, opinion um, in the 2017, when he was selected, was the 2017 draft a, a better draft for forwards? Because w- when I read some of your stuff and a lot of the stuff from Dauber and, and other draft stuff that that's that so good to read. I'm kind of getting the bottleneck down that 2018 is the better defensive draft. Yes, absolutely. So you now,
4: his... yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, nope,
2: no. Nope, I'm just, I'm just saying you you do agree with that.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Now listen, 2017, I called it a weak draft, and I called it weak for one reason: it was very top heavy. Some people might say that the, what you call a draft week when it doesn't develop any stars or things like that, I consider a draft week if it doesn't have depth, right? So if basically a guy that would be drafted late in the first round is no different from a kid that could have been drafted the like the, the middle of the second or like, you know, middle of the third. Uh, and plus if you took, I know that this is a tough game to play, but some people play it and I like to play it sometimes too, is if you took prospect a from the 2017 draft and put him in, uh, to the 2018 draft if you like based on his age and development where would he rank so like would would Vakenainen be the 18th overall pick in in 2018 and sadly for you guys the answer is no he wouldn't be but uh, because of the the weakish or thin crop that 2017 offered he was almost a you know middle of the pack kind of pick um so i think it was strong on forwards and uh uh somewhat defenseman but there was a big drop off. You know, you had a lot of good European defensemen. It wasn't a good, strong crop of North American defensemen. So, uh, I think this year's a little bit. This year a little bit different. Uh, you have solid defensemen all across the board, well into the third round. So, uh, but that doesn't really. That's not really a knock on as much as it is the uh,
2: you know the the strength of other drafts. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the way I look at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely agree. And uh, to round off the Bruins prospects in the uh, 2018 World Junior Championships that were held in Buffalo, uh, I, I, I'm i a huge fan of this guy, Oscar Steen. Uh, I've seen him many times. Uh, well, not many, but at least two World Juniors uh, and um, a couple um, development camps. And uh, I'm impressed with his speed. Uh, he's got a good shot, good release. Um, yeah. I'm, but... And he did have a good tournament this year, yes. but the, the one thing that I was kind of disappointed in in him was was the the game against the U.S. Uh, and particularly at the end when they were when Sweden was up uh, by two goals. And wh- whether you're up or not, you know what I mean. I was kind of disappointed in the action he took against uh, a player like Kalle Yamamoto. and uh, kind of hacked him in the leg a little bit. And I thought that was, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna base my total opinion on on that, those actions, but. Uh, There's something he has to work on uh, as he works his way up to being a professional, but um, he does have some really good, good attributes as a young player moving up, and and I think he'd be a a solid uh, uh, addition to the Bruins' um, uh, depth, and uh, I look forward to seeing him in Providence, uh, obviously, to start off, but um, your thoughts on Steen? Well, the thing is, to to
4: start off, uh, I I liked him, too. I had him ranked relatively high-ish, you know, like a... Higher than I think he was taken in the sixth round, uh, and uh, I always liked his shot. He, I always felt he had natural scoring ability, and plus he's uh, not not big. He's he's kind of decent size, but he's got very good wheels. And and he like hoping, and You know, you got two Bruins draft picks facing the Toronto draft pick in Joseph Wall, and they they both terrorized him shorthanded on the glove hand. So maybe you know you know Leafs have another reason now to worry about. About the Bruins, the Bruins <laughs> haven't done enough to terrorize that uh, franchise. They got right. they they saw their, their their top goaltending prospect, who was a high pick. You know what was the second second round pick? Uh, what was a third round pick? I forget. But uh, yeah, I like Steen a lot. Uh, you know the, the antics against Yamamoto. Listen, we watch these kids these kids play so many games, anywhere from eighty to one hundred games a year. The the World Juniors it, it kind of condenses their entire lives into two weeks. Uh, here in North America, because of the exposure and the media coverage and the, uh, I guess the pressure that's put on these poor kids, things like that. So I, you know, sometimes you know, t- tempers flare and they they might act in a way that they don't. i uh, seen is is a little bit. He's a kind of a feisty player. I'd say he's kind of like a borderline pest, uh, like a pepper pot kind of little player. But yep. yeah, I, I thought he he was on that third line. Uh, he he showed really good speed. Was a key player when it came to the penalty kill so uh you know i, I think when i watched him his uh his pre-draft year I, I saw a kid with higher upside offensively the thing is though he plays for Färjestad uh in sweden and the elite league he's in the adult league and they they're a very good team they're one of the better teams in the league and so he, it, unless you're something really really special like a guy like uh you know leish Petterson, but even still uh, his team isn't you know, really that great. Uh, so he's allowed to, you're allowed to have an 18, 19 year old kid play top line minutes uh, with fire. Star, they have so many prospects and good players on that team that Steen is not going to see a whole lot of ice time. And that reflects in the stats that he has. But uh, yeah, again, when you're going for late round picks, these are the kind of kids that you want guys that, you know, they, they battle, they have speed, they have good hands. They know how to score. Uh, sometimes you want to go the other way and go for the intangibles, uh, toolsy kind of, uh, you know, player who, is mature and you know thinks the game at a high level, but a guy like Steen, you know, he's he's going to probably have a, a long road uh, ahead of him in terms of making an NHL roster because just the averages, uh, the numbers say that the fifth and sixth round picks usually have it tough uh, when it comes to making it. But I think he he definitely is a uh, a useful player
2: when it comes to his speed and his uh, his ability to kill penalties. Um. Real quick, if you could, and this is something that a lot of uh, Bruins fans have approached me about, and I I try to tell them that the game's different over in Europe, but it's just not enough for me to honestly say because I really don't know the game that much. But just because a guy has five points in like 20 games over there doesn't mean he's a bad player. Uh, The ice is huge, and there's a lot more mobility. There's a lot more skill to be To be brought in that it's not all, all, all offensive skill, but it, it, the bigger ice smaller ice and and difference in league is not a knock on a player like this. is that correct?
4: yeah I, here's the thing about stat watching and I, 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 I before I started doing this when it came to uh, giving my opinions on prospects, I was just like pretty much everybody else where it's like, oh well, this guy had three goals last night, so he's got to be a good prospect and he's doing well. I think as the more I've been doing this and the more people I talk to and the more exposure I have to the different leagues, you realize that the, the stats, you got to throw them out the window. And uh, especially when it comes to the, the major junior hockey. And my, the example that I always use is uh, just to show you how fickle uh, fans could be. And I say fans because it's mostly us fans, because I know that GMs and scouts, uh, I don't think they think the same way that we do when it comes to evaluating uh, a player's progression or development. But. It's so odd, isn't it, that if a player is in a lesser league like uh, in high school or in America or in major junior in Canada, right, and they have like 50 goals, right, and they're just beating up all the 16 and 17, 18-year-olds that they can, right, is a better prospect than the guy in Europe who's playing against grown men, guys that have played in the NHL before, is a fourth-line player and only has, let's say, five points in, you know, uh, 40 games. And aesthetically, when you look at at the numbers on a piece of paper on a screen, you say, "Well, 50 goals is definitely better than four goals." It's just how it's the mentality the fans have, and I'm I'm trying my best to maybe not really educate, but to to uh, make the observation, the recommendation that when you're looking at a player's stats, you got to look at the the whole all things considered. You got to look at the kid's role. You got to look at uh, is he progressing? So if he played nine minutes last year, is he playing 13 minutes this year? Things along those lines. So uh, when it comes to Europe, you know, first of all, it's so different. It, the, the lifestyle is different. The culture is different. The on-ice culture, the the flow of the game. You uh-huh. know, Europe is even a more def- a defensive-oriented game than people might think. I think it's tougher to score in European leagues, uh, elite leagues, than it is in the OHL, the CHL. Uh, you know, so uh,
2: and that, that yeah.
4: actually statwatch. Yeah,
2: that actually surprises me with 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 so much more open ice and mobility and move around that it is so much tighter. You would think that it would be more.
4: It's just a system. I, yeah. I, I'm, it's not like it used to be. You know, I'm a product of the 70s and 80s. And I remember those free flowing open ice games when you play European teams. Now, it ain't like that. It, the games are the goalies. result, well, the goalies are bigger. The equipment's bigger. So in a way, no matter even though you have that small advantage uh, in terms of ice surface, uh, the game itself, you look at teams like Switzerland, and they all play it, all the world juniors. There's no running gun. The Russians, the Russians were epitomized run and gun. They loved uh, running and gun. They just had really good sound defensemen who could play both ends. But uh, every game against Russia is a tight-checking, hard-fought affair where a lot of things kept to the outside, and a lot of the European leagues are like that as well.
2: Yeah. Um, let's uh, jump away from the world junior coverage and and. Again, thank you very much for everything you've done uh, this year. Oh, the I, look, I look forward to the 2019 now. Um, no,
4: hey, you, you, hey, I said it. I'm going to Cabo, man. I'm going to go to the Bahamas. I, I am not. I am not. <laughs> I am not. I spent. You understand how much hate I've gotten? So much like hate mail, and because like you know, I put where players ranked when I tweet about them. And the, the the way that they've covered this junior tournament, this last one, because of Rasmus Deline and Andre Svechnikov and Philip Zadina, I said, you know, I can't take it anymore. Yeah. I said, I don't you know, and the and the uh, the announcers, God bless them. I know that they have a, a tough job, but uh, the main T S N announcers, my good, I had to put I had to put it on mute. I had to put it on I could not every it was like a guy's carrying the puck. He could not move two feet without them telling you what junior team he played for, where he was drafted. Like I get it, right. dude. I get it. Were, you know just like they'll, everybody was drafted. Everybody on Canada was drafted. Okay? So there's no need to tell everybody where they were drafted. You could do that during the break. Yeah. Like, "Oh, there's Drake Batherson. He's an Ottawa prospect." I don't need to know that he's a second round pick or a sixth round pick or whatever. He's about to score, you know, a goal. So anyway, yeah, yeah next year is going to be a very toned down version. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm for I know, you know, a lot of people like what I do, but uh, it was too much this year.
2: Yeah, I was actually very surprised uh, to to see that tweet. Like, I'm I'm taking a break and so on. But um, yeah, I, I whatever you do, I I just hope you do it to the best of of your ability. But and yeah. Um, I'll
4: be on a beach. I'll I'll just, I'll, I'll, you know, (laughs)
2: still have my, my blog open.
4: I'll send out reports and things like that. But there you you go. I I think
2: the Twitter will be a little quiet. (laughs) Yeah. It's just funny how Twitter is is with, with people's opinions. You know what I mean? This is, these aren't final rankings. These are your thoughts. And it's just, it's so weird how people just can go off on that.
4: Yeah. Some kid, some kid the other day from a message board, he sent me a direct message and said, you have no credibility. You will not ruin our chance to have the first sweet pick first overall in 30 years. Oh, like, like, so I literally. Like, that's yeah, now. It's not like I'm not getting the kind of hate that Leah Sanderson got for you know, throwing the medal into the stands. But uh, it's just amazing that people will take the time. Like, it's okay to disagree. But like, hey, I disagree with your opinion.
2: But the you know people, you know, hey, people are gonna keep being people. I guess you exactly. Know? Uh, all right, stepping away from the World Juniors, um, I wanted to talk about uh, three college players at the uh, Bruins prospects. Uh, Ryan Donato is just having a career career year uh, in the ACAC with the uh, Harvard University. Um, And a lot of people think that he's going to possibly, I I believe from the people that I talked to and uh, his father, Ted, that I'm getting the notion that he wants to, education is first for him. But uh, there's a lot of people saying that he could could leave school early to become a pro. Well,
4: I don't remember, I don't know if, I remember Ted, when Ted was on at Harvard, you know they won. I think they won the Beanpot, or they he played for the Team USA Olympic team in '92, and so I think right after those Olympics, both he and Steve Hines, if I if I remember correctly, went right from Team USA to to the Bruins. I don't remember if it was his senior year or if he went back and, and finished up his degree, but uh, so that that could play a part in it. I know that he's definitely the best player on, on on the Crimson this year. They're not having as good a year as I thought they were. They have some pretty strong players on there. You know they got Adam Fox. Uh, They got Jack Padini. Um, You know, next year they'll be getting Oliver Wallstrom. So I I thought that uh, maybe they'd be doing more. But I watched a game the other day against, uh, who was it against? Was it against uh, Quinnipiac, I think. And, yeah, he he was super impressive. Uh, You know, he's he's an athletic kid, really good skater. You know, his dad was more of like a two-way guy with some skill, good puck handling and a good playmaker. But uh, Ryan's more like a a finisher, uh, and he's got pretty good size, uh, strong on his skates. And listen, he, he's had a really good year. He's, he's a Hobie Baker nominee. One of the you know many nominees that, that they're going to, I guess, whittle it down to finalists pretty soon. Uh, I think he, didn't he, he just get named to team USA for the Olympics as well. He did. So, yeah. So he's going to follow in his father's footsteps. He's going to actually play in the Olympics, which is, which is, uh, well, from a prospect standpoint, you want to see younger kids play. I grew up with, uh, all the U S Olympic teams were, uh, were kids, you know, so it's good to see he's going to be there as well. Um, but he's really progressing well uh and he's he got a huge goal in that game against Quinnipiac and in fact he almost won it he had like a wraparound that uh almost went in at the last minute so uh you like to see that you know he was uh think he was a later round pick but uh the fact that he's a leader on his team team say thinks very highly of him <coughs> he he has uh I guess the bruins do have a log jam when it comes to their farm system and their, their organization they got a lot of good uh two-way players and so he's gonna have a have to beat out a lot of people uh, to get to the NHL. Uh, I think he's definitely an NHL-caliber player. You just have to wonder, like, where do the Bruins? What do they think of him? Who are they going to knock below him on their depth chart? And who are they going to rank above him if he's not, you know, let's say, all the way at the top? So, uh, yeah, I, he's the kind of kid that. Uh, now, the only thing is, I don't know if he'll by playing for Team USA. I got to look at the calendar, but I don't know if he's going to miss the Beanpot, uh, which is, of course, is always a big deal. So uh, but yeah, definitely one of their better non NHL or AHL prospects.
2: Um how about Cameron Hughes, uh captain of the University of Wisconsin Badges, uh in his senior year, um and, and, and playing well. I mean he's not ripping up the uh the the league um in the Big Ten. Yeah. But uh, he's having another solid season uh and, and expected to sign an uh, ELC at the end of this year and possibly Possibly be available for Providence um, at the end of the year.
4: Yeah. So, so first of all, think about Cam Hughes. He he's a late round pick. I, I liked him a lot from 2015. Really skilled, super skilled. He's got great hands, uh, really good vision. He's fast. He's got uh, he's a playmaker. He can play in the power play. Uh, you know, not the uh, the strongest kid uh, guy in the world or whatever. But uh, like I said, he's a team captain, so he has that uh, those I guess intangibles. The issue with, I guess you want to call it, issue is he was a uh, a Mike Eaves recruit, right? And Wisconsin used to be a big powerhouse program under Eaves, and then they had a couple of bad years, and then they and then I thought that they played really well in Eves' last year, but they fired him, and so they brought in Tony Granato, and with that they got like tremendous recruits. Uh, that are either there already or on their way in. So because Wisconsin is now back to being a good team or a respectable team, they don't need to rely on that one line. Like there was a a couple of years where they were reliant on Luke Cunning and Seamus Malone and even to a certain extent, uh, Hughes. They were like you know, their top three or four guys. Whereas now that they they have a deeper team, he's playing sometimes on the first line. I mean, I don't even know if if they really even have a first line. Would you call it Frederick's line or would you call it Hughes' line? So... Uh, he's got a lot of skill. He's not that typical Bruins player. He's not like a, a hard-nosed, tough, uh, you know, dual-purpose kind of a player. He's more of like a skilled, finesse playmaker. But, you know, you kind of need, you know, you got to need players like that within your organization. So, yeah, I think Providence is on the uh, horizon for him. And again, like we talked about with the stats, you got to, there's a, there's a context, okay, with how they're producing. Yes, he's a senior, uh, considering how skilled he is and. Who is he surrounded by? You want him to have maybe 40, 50 points at this point. But I, I, on paper, it looks like it's a down year in scoring in the NCAA. I don't know if it's because of uh, the goaltending or the defensemen or the you know rules. I don't know. But it just it doesn't seem like there are a lot of people putting up big big seasons in the NCAA this year. So, uh, but, but yeah, I think he'll be fine.
2: Yeah, I, I look forward to seeing him as soon as possible in, in the AHL. Yeah. Um, and the last NCA prospect, which was kind of one that I was really high on when he was picked, and it was the seventh-round draft, late-round draft. Um, Jack Becker, he uh, currently is a freshman at the University of Michigan. Um, and w- when I got used to him, was his uh, last two seasons in the United States Hockey League. I was watching it on hockey TV when he was playing for the Sioux Falls Stampede. And I, I really like this player. Big kid, yeah. another rangy forward. I mean... He's got good attributes and so on, but uh, it's a project to work on. But I w- I'm kind of disappointed in his game as a freshman this year. And whether it be an adjustment period for him, and then maybe a sophomore year would be better. I don't know. Um, I- I'm curious on your thoughts on Jack.
4: All right. Well, you know, he's a, he's a an odd. Uh, I guess maybe "odd" is not the right uh, word to use, but he he was an odd. I guess. Uh, Prospect before the draft because he he was always uh, committing to one college and then decommitting and like he couldn't make up his mind which school he wanted to go to. I don't really dig too deep into why. I mean, I don't know if it was for personal. Well, obviously, it was personal reasons, but you know his own opinion. He wanted to go to a certain school, but uh, he chose Michigan. Finally, he committed to Michigan. He decommitted from Michigan Tech, and then he committed to Michigan. Uh, and it was an it's always an odd decision when kids do that if they're a late round pick. And I'll tell you why. It's because you know that team is going to be loaded with star players, kids that come from all over you know, the Canada, North America, and even Europe to a certain extent. And you're going to be really, really fighting for ice time, where sometimes it might be best to go to a lesser-known school. This is if, like, if, listen, I'm not going to play God here with these kids' lives. I'm just saying, you know, maybe he liked Michigan. Maybe he has relatives in Michigan. I don't know. But from a hockey standpoint, that's the problem with him, is he hasn't been able to play. He just doesn't play. He plays uh, – I saw him play – uh, I think it was against Ohio State, and he, he doesn't play a lot, but he does. Uh, he does get uh, make the most out of his shifts. He's a big kid, like you said. He's got soft hands. He skates really well for a kid that big. He's a thick kid, but he he actually moves pretty well. Uh, so the issue is, listen, Michigan's got a, a good team. They got uh, some offense up and down the lineup. They're uh, an experienced senior team. So I would say uh, with Becker, you got to be be a little patient okay. because as soon, when those guys uh Cooper Marody and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I forgot the other kid's name, but off the top of my head, uh, Lockwood. When these kids move on and they go to the AHL or wherever they go, then it's going to be like, okay, because that's how college always is with these young kids. They're not going to give, unless you're a star freshman, not going to give a seventh-round pick, uh, you know, 20 minutes a game. So uh, be patient with him, but I definitely like his skill set.
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think I read somewhere uh, a couple articles about Jack. And his decision to go to Michigan was uh, the new head coach that, or the returning head coach that was there at one point, went away for a while and then came back. And I don't remember his name; I should have taken it down in my notes. But um, I think that was one of his big decisions. Whether whether he was a former coach at uh, with the Stampede, the USHL, or what, and he was just following along. um, Okay, all right. It could could be. Um. Uh. So wrapping up all the NCAA and the prospects, um, I wanted to finish off with this one, and, and actually you brought it up to me in our um, in our pre-talk um, discussion, uh, pre-recording discussion, if you say, um, is uh, is is all the hype about Matt Barzell and the Bruins uh, not selecting him and, and rather going with uh, defenseman Jakub Borrell at 13. Um, Jake uh, Debraska at 14, and Zach Senishen at 15, and uh, and I know you're gonna have a lot a lot of great things to say and try to uh, give the fans and and our listeners uh, a little perspective on why this happened.
4: Yeah, well, first of all, uh, this is really for Bruins fans and not for anybody else. So, uh, <laughs> what I'm about to say, uh, now now I I I had Barzil ranked sixth in my last uh, mock draft in 2015. I thought that anybody who uh, was out West watching him, you know, the Bruins watched him because they drafted the Brusque was also, you know, with, uh, he was with Swift current. So Barzell was with Seattle. You just, you saw a special player. You knew that Barzell was a special player. The issue with Barzell, I, I'm guessing that during that year was his knee. He had uh, I think he had a busted kneecap or something. I mean, it could be a very serious thing, but he came back from that injury and it's like he never missed a beat. And he was Canada's best player at the under-18 World Championships that year. They kind of win. I think they lost uh, in the bronze medal game or the fourth place game or whatever you want to call it. But you knew Barzell was going to be a high pick. Now, the fact that the Bruins had those three uh, first-round picks, it was a smart thing to do. Uh, And the players that they chose, you can make a justification for every single one, right? Uh, Jake DeBrusque. You could tell why that they they drafted him, okay? Maybe a little bit higher than we thought, but obviously you watch him play in the NHL right now, and it's obviously an excellent pick. Zach Sinishin was a was the hot topic of that draft, okay? He was the hot topic. He was a bull in a china shop. They were comparing him to Chris Kreider. He was fast. Uh, he had 40 goal, you know, 45 goal potential in the in the Canadian in the OHL, and you knew that he was going to be a riser. The question was, how much was he going to rise? and and Zboro, listen the, the bruins needed, needed defensemen it, it wasn't uh you know we could look at it now and say well the bruins are so deep on defense at the time when they made the draft or they weren't and that's why they drafted guys like Lausanne and uh and Zboro early now as far as the criticism about Don Sweeney my beef isn't really with Don Don Sweeney uh as much as it is the interview process that apparently they the bruins decided to do and other teams do with their players where they they put him through a very tough interview process and they decided whatever they decided, uh, partly because of that interview process. I'm assuming that not to take him. Now, if the Bruins, now the Bruins made a mistake. If we could go and say, okay, well is going to be a Ross Trophy winner or a top five star player in the league, uh, so on and so on. The Bruins are struggling, but they're not. The Bruins have proven, whether it be you know uh, you know Chiarelli's drafts or Don Sweeney's drafts, they've proven that they're able to draft good, solid NHL players, guys with star potential. Additionally, the Bruins are having a great year this year. So to say that Don Sweeney's an idiot or the Bruins really messed it up, like, well, what did they mess up? It's obviously not hurting them in the standings because they're one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. It's obviously not hurting them in the uh, in the, uh, AHL because they got a very good AHL team with a lot of good prospects. And it's not hurting their prospect pool because they've got some of the best prospects in hockey. So all things considered, yes, okay, ideally, if they go back in time, do they take Kyle Connor or Matt Barzell or both? Uh, but how do we know that uh, Barzell would be that kind of a fit? He'd do that well playing for the Bruins. You know, playing in Boston is a lot different from playing in, in Brooklyn. And I'm not making excuses for Don Sweeney. I'm just saying is Matt Barzell, Barzell has John Tavares ahead of him. <laughs> yep. you, know, you know how easy that is? You know how easy that is for a young kid to come in and say, well, heck, I'm a playmaker. Oh, I don't have to worry about carrying the team. There's no pressure on me. First of all, you play for the Islanders. There's no pressure. The Islanders have one beat rider, maybe two, okay? Uh, they, they get 10,000 fans a game. Uh, they, they're not, and listen, you know, I'm not an Islander fan, so people might say, well, you, you don't like them. That's why you're bad-mouthing them. But it's the truth. So these are all things that you need to consider as a Bruins fan when people want to badmouth mouth the whole thing. Because, listen, on the surface, Matt Barzell versus uh, uh, Jake DeBrusque. If Jake DeBrusque is playing 22 minutes a game or 19 minutes a game, he's gonna pr- he's gonna produce similar to what Matt, what Matt Barzell's doing. The difference is that Matt Barzell is a lot more dynamic and flashier. And listen, I I love the kid as a player. He's gonna be a, a stud. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be something that Bruins fans I think have to just accept and just move on from it. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I think that we're talking about it now. Maybe it might not be helping, uh, but. Again, I, I think you're going to see Jake DeBrusque have a very good career. And even if one of those three players uh, makes it uh, – it's going to be it, – it's a good draft. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you consider that they got Carlo in that draft, of Carlson, Lausanne. I mean, they, they had a pretty good 2015. Uh, but uh, the flip side of it is, I guess, to any future GMs or scouts, uh, don't don't overthink the scouting process or the talent, talent evaluation process. If you see a kid and he blows you blows you away – uh, then don't let a little interview get in the way of you uh, getting uh, control of him.
2: Yeah, and and for me, when it comes down to interviews and so on, that's just a small process in the develop. I mean, uh, in the uh, scouting, you know, there's a much more sample size that these guys have gotten. Uh, actually going and spending hours upon hours a game, seeing all these guys that they have on their projected list. Yeah. And right now, it, it, when you're picking anybody, it's a gamble. So you really don't know. I mean, did anybody yeah. like like you said earlier? Did anybody know that Barzell was going to burst out this year and have this a, a awesome year? No, no. I, I don't
4: think we, I don't think we. I don't think anybody predicted this this type of like rapid ascent. And I think a lot of traditionalists like us. We're used to the kid doing the like the two years in college or junior, then the two years in the in the minor leagues, a cup of coffee here or there, playing the fourth line. Uh, the thing is that the game's changing and the game's opened up a lot more because you can't sneeze on a player anymore. So the ice has opened up a little bit. Uh, plus they have all these rules now where the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, well, not, you know, basically the, the ice has opened up to a certain extent and goal scoring is up. Uh, so uh, I think it's allowing younger skilled players to flourish. You're seeing... Uh, forwards are getting smaller as the draft goes on. Uh, it's not going to be like '95 or you know 2001 where everyone was drafting someone who was six four and had grit. You know now they're going for these Barzell type players. And addition to that, you know Barzell's had the uh, the the uh, the fortune of playing with Jordan Everly, who's a very good skill player. So there's a lot involved there. And again, if I had to do it all over again, I'm not going to lie. You take Matt Barzell. It's a pretty easy thing with at least one of those three picks, but. Uh, I think in the long run, uh, history is going to be kind uh, to the Bruins and uh, also to uh, Matt Barzell as well. So, uh, I, like I said, just – you got to wonder what – and that's one thing I'd like. I'd like, if it was possible, for at least some rep- a reporter or writer or media member or someone inside with inside knowledge or inside ties to Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, I'd love to know how that meeting went. I'd love to know: Was there a scout? Was there a WHL a WHL scout banging on the table like, "No, we got to take this kid"? Or was it Sweeney who was like, "I don't know, I really like this Barzell kid"? And the scout was like, "I don't know, you know, I, I followed him and, you know, he, he's got a you know a psycho girlfriend or he's got a drinking problem." I, I'm I'm <laughs> you know, but th- th- just using reasons I don't use right. in the past. So uh, I love that. I would love for that. I would love for not for them not to be in an ivory tower and say, oh, well, we didn't pick them. And that was that like, you know, make a story out of it. You know, the fans want to know.
2: Well, Steve, uh, thank you so much for the time. This has been an an incredible hour. I I really didn't expect this to go this long, but I really appreciate uh, what you brought to the show. Um, Everybody, please. uh, If you're on Twitter, follow Steve at the draft analyst. And also uh, he does a fantastic podcast. Uh, at the draft analyst uh, on apple podcasts and other uh, podcatchers out there that you currently use and also uh, writes a lot of great content on uh, on the future of the nhl uh, at the draft analyst.com. steve thank you so much again i really appreciate it and uh hope hopefully you join me again uh at the end of the season because we've been doing kind of a, a beginning of the year mid-season and and uh, we'll get together at the end of the year
4: yeah, no problem, Mark. Thank you for the kind words, and like I said, likewise with your blog and the work that you guys do. Uh, Black and Gold Podcast is great, and yeah, any any type of pre-draft stuff you want to do, uh, and also post-draft, uh, no problem whatsoever. I'm always
2: available for you. Awesome, thank you very much, Steve, and take care. All right, man.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold. 277 at Court Londe and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.